I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Popshow podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash We do a little sync clap before we start recording, Richard, because we live in different cities and we record remotely. So we do a little clap so that when I'm editing it, I can see when we've both clapped. But it's an imperfect system. Mm. Sometimes I'm counting slower than usual. uh, And I usually find in the edit that putting my clap half a second before yours tends to, for some reason work out like with the sync better Mm. um but then there's also situations like just now where i do such a pitiful weak clap (laughs) and i i miss my my palms miss each other and the effect is that on the audio readout it just looks like i just went like Mm. and it's like well that's not gonna help um but them's the breaks that is the lifetimes and struggles of a podcast editor named aj and you are Richard. And I'm Richard. And, and is- I have been pranking you for the last, f- what, five years that we've been recording this remotely by yeah. clapping half a second late every time. <laughs> that that <laughs> oh, little no. slight uh, annoyance, that little slight adjustment you've had to make was actually a very cleverly planned ruse by myself. Wow. I wish you didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so it has made my life harder yeah why and that was that was why and it made my life more Mm. enriched and more hilarious as a result Mm. my my hilarious life that i lead so welcome along to film franchise fortnights on the cop pop podcast this is a podcast where every two weeks we watch and discuss a different film franchise what you are listening to now is part one of our exploration of the Star Trek film franchise, just the film franchise, but this is two people who have never seen Star Trek before, or almost never seen it. Um, I, I've, I've seen little bits and pieces, and I think you have seen things here and there as well, but yeah, yeah we are just going to be discussing the films, and we I imagine we might have some new listeners this Mm. this episode because one star trek is one of these franchises that people go searching for any new star trek content but also aj our little Mm. aj has become a man in the last (laughs) uh in the last fortnight and achieved a lifelong dream of his and aj Mm. i will let you share what that is 
Oh, sure. I uh, guest starred on Do Go On, which is a podcast that I was a massive fan of uh, and then started working for them about a year ago, uh, editing their episodes. And I was on their most recent episode talking about the history of Barbie, both the doll and the film and the films, because if you Wait a are second. A are you telling listener, me there's more than one? <laughs> if you are a new listener to Cult Popshire, you may have heard on the do go on episode that i was on that richard and i covered all 43 films well you wouldn't have heard that i covered them because (laughs) uh nary a mention i got you don't come up much (laughs) (laughs) in the history of barbie sadly um imagine that imagine if i was doing the history of barbie and i got to like the bullet point that's like they were the films were all covered by the cold popshire podcast Mm. like a wikipedia you know reference the kind of thing i uh, didn't do that um so yeah but if you're a listener to cole popsha you'll be like yeah we know about barbie we we know you did barbie uh, and to that i say i was also on an episode of who knew it with matt stewart with the do go on folks um and that's also something i guess started on in the last week that you can check it out it's a fun quiz show it's kind of like slash exactly like the game mm. boulder dash uh which i'm too scared to bring up to matt stewart himself in case he thought that this was a completely unique <laughs> idea if you are listening matt i'm very sorry uh <laughs> it's, it's boulder dash <laughs> yeah but also uh interestingly on that episode as well you you give a shout out to my other podcast co-host mm. carlisle mm. and mm. uh and still i did not really come you, up <laughs> this this just tells me you didn't listen richard because i talked about you a couple of times on these episodes well i listened to the do go on one but i haven't listened to it <laughs> <laughs> so wow. this this exploration of star trek is going to be really just scratching the surface there's 13 films we're talking about all up we are talking about six of them today the ones based on the original series cast and you and i haven't seen any of the 11 tv shows that take place in the star trek universe which some of our listeners might be familiar with but aj i was wondering how many of those 11 shows can you name because i was trying to um i was curious Mm how many i knew and then versus how many you might know yep okay so i'm not too bad with this i i reckon i'll get uh, there's one i can't remember the name of but Mm. it's the newest one so i've you know if we'd done star trek a year ago i would have been able to ace this (laughs) (laughs) um so there is star trek the original series which is just called star trek then and you're not going to catch me out there's star trek the animated series very good yeah uh then star trek the next generation um do i have to do them in order no not necessarily i then it's i don't know if then it's deep space nine but there is also one called deep space nine Deep space nine is next yeah okay then there's uh, is it voyager is next yes then it's enterprise then it's discovery yeah there's a big gap there's a big gap yeah 12 years where it died and then it was brought back in the streaming age but yep you've got them all right and in order so far then there's strange new worlds and picard yeah and lower decks yeah and i don't like there's one that looks like those star wars shows on cartoon network i don't know what that uh, yeah about. that's called prodigy that was the only one that i prodigy I, yeah found out about this um research very good i'm very impressed there yeah discovery yeah! picard lower decks prodigy strange new world 
is the order of the um right right the, the newer ones but yeah no very good aj congratulations well i think i think just in uh thank you so much i think just in nerddom mm. in geekhood you just learn these things because i've never been particularly interested in star trek but but you know me richard i love a franchise <laughs> <laughs> i love i love the idea of there being a show that you could start watching and probably still be getting new episodes for the rest of your life yeah. from like i think that's really captivating and maybe six or seven years ago i was like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna i'll just get into star trek mm. i'll watch all of star trek i watched the first episode of the original series i thought this is fucking boring and yeah. i never watched a second episode nice. <laughs> yeah i it's interesting going into this because i my parents are big trekkies or at least are big fans of the original series and, and this mm. series of movies and your parents are trekkies as well my my mum is a trekkie like yeah. how you know my dad obviously because he's a he's man a, he's a man a gen x man and yeah. you know who, who uh grew up uh in a, in a nerdy space but my my mum has a letterboxed account mm. and one of her four favorites is star trek for the the voyage home yeah like yeah my parents independently of each other were trekkies and then i, I was right. talking to my mum on the phone recently and and i was asking her about it you know for fodder for this podcast and said like um and she was telling me about that that her and dad went to go see the voyage home on a date while they were while they were in the dating phase and i think doing long distance at the time and, and, and yeah i said like how come you guys never tr- showed me star trek because i feel like I, I could have so easily been a Trekkie if they had just mm. introduced it to me at a young stage mm. in life. And mum was like, oh, because it's lame. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and just like, like she was, she's yeah, embarrassed right. to be a Trekkie. But she said that it was one of those things that when they'd known each other um, for a while before they actually started dating, but it was one of those sort of key moments of finding out like, oh my God, you're a Trekkie. Oh my God. And um, that's cute. I yeah. wonder what my parents, I wonder if my, my mum and dad watched Star Trek independently of each other. I didn't care enough to ask. Oh, wow. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so I'm going to do something slightly different from what we normally do. Um, mm-hmm. We normally just go straight to the movies, but I think that, where these movies take place in the like history of star trek canon is important Mm. to the discussion of the films so before we get to the movies i'm just going to go through a little brief history on yeah star trek yeah um so there is a viral comic from the oatmeal that i don't don't know if you've seen um called it's going to be okay and i'm just gonna gonna, the visual element of it isn't that important but i'm gonna read it to you so okay on june 18th 1947 on a pan am flight from calcutta to new york an engine stopped working which caused another engine to overheat which caused a hot fire which caused a panic while the pilot attempted to land the plane, the 25-year-old co-pilot unbuckled himself. He went to the main cabin to help with the passengers. He sat next to a young woman who was alone, and he told her it was going to be okay. He told her this as he watched the engine continue to burn. He told her this as he watched it fall from the wing. He told her this as fuel lines became exposed, fire overtook the aircraft, and the plane pitched downward. He told her this knowing that every single person on that plane was about to die. The plane hit hard, crashing into the Syrian desert. 14 people died instantly. Two crew members survived, including the co-pilot I mentioned earlier. 
With a pair of broken ribs, he went back into the burning plane, pulling survivors from the wreckage. Eventually, the wind turned and fire overtook the aircraft, and so they waited. Morning arrived, but a rescue did not. The co-pilot took charge and formed two search parties. The first party went in one direction. The second party, along with the co-pilot, went the other wandering into the desert. They eventually found a village, a village which had a radio. A call was made, and the 22 survivors were rescued. As for the co-pilot, the crash changed him. After that, he didn't want to be a pilot anymore he wanted to do something different with his life he resigned from pan am and pursued a career in writing and ultimately television his name was gene roddenberry and he created star trek damn i was like who's it gonna be yeah. is it gonna be fucking like check off whatever his name is <laughs> is it gonna be like just some random in the background cool yeah. okay that's awesome yeah, so gene, gene roddenberry is a name that has floated through my ears many times mm. across my my life though i i know very little about him other than i I don't I feel like I get the vibe he was quite a sweet person <laughs> as the like there's something there's an underlining wholesomeness and hope to Star Trek mm. that I think comes from him and it's it's something you don't see in other stuff like Star Wars I think yeah. it doesn't there's, the, there's not as much of a hope there It's interesting yeah I don't know that he was like the, necessarily the Jim Henson type that I think you're describing but he was mm. A lot of stories of him coming up about these films are like, Roddenberry fucking hated the script, argued with the executives. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. But but also, I mean, like, Star Trek was on the cutting edge of, like, a lot of stuff. It had TV's first interracial kiss and mm. a lot of um, representation and stuff. But there was, we'll get to this when we cover the J.J. Abrams films, but there was, like, when they made Sulu gay in Star Trek Beyond and george takei was like no this flies in the face of everything that gene roddenberry stood for and simon Pegg was like with all due respect i don't think you understand gene roddenberry like but anyway so as early as 1964 uh roddenberry drafted an idea that would later become star trek it was influenced by westerns of the time and it was in part of his pitch was calling it wagon train to the stars wagon train was a a western show on the air at the time think mm-hmm. along the lines of um bounty law the show that leonardo sure, DiCaprio's yeah. character works on in um once upon a time <laughs> hollywood uh, it was pitched to desi lu productions which the head of which was very instrumental in getting star trek to air uh and that was a woman named lucille ball interestingly ah yeah. the same yeah, yeah no lucy, relation <laughs> desi lu as a, a combination of ah, desi and, and right. lucy very interesting just like for these fun little things so nbc paid to make a pilot it was called the cage uh, which starred mm-hmm. Jeffrey Hunter as Enterprise Captain Christopher Pike. and I've seen it. Yeah. This is the one episode of Star Trek I've seen. Yeah, so, <laughs> but interestingly, so NBC rejected the cage, uh, but the executives was, were impressed enough with the concept that they very unusually made a second pilot, which was where no man has gone before. So the cage features Captain Pike, um, Spock, and a character called Number One, and... Jeffrey Hunter was required by contract to return if the series was picked up from that, but wasn't required to do the second pilot. So that's when Shatner came in, yada, yada. But interestingly, Star Trek Strange New Worlds effectively treats the cage as its pilot because it has Spock, Captain Pike, and number one. And so the producer and co-showrunner of of Strange New Worlds refers to it as the longest pilot to series pickup in television history at 55 (laughs) years. Right. 
Interesting. Yeah, and, and there's there's an episode of um fuck, I can't remember which show, but uh oh, Man from Uncle, I think, that has both William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy in it and they interact and it's like from five years before a few years before Star Trek. Um hmm. interestingly, oh. but yeah. So so are you saying is Spock in Strange New Worlds the show? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Is he who's he played by in that? Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but I'll um, find it out for God, you. God, so you see so many different versions. I feel like I've seen Spock at every age after watching these movies and knowing mm. what's to come in, in future movies. Ethan Peck plays him. Oh, I didn't know that. He's the grandson of Gregory Peck. Wow. And Gregory P- Peck, of course, famously played Spock. <laughs> he uh, yeah, he, he originated the role. Well, he, he first played the role of Spock in discovery and then strange new worlds as a spinoff of that that's, that's a spinoff yes so the show had pretty high ratings but by the end of its first season it was it dropped to 52nd out of 94 programs on tv nbc threatened to cancel the show during its second season but there was an unprecedented letter writing campaign petitioning the network to keep the show on air nbc renewed the show but moved it from prime time to the friday night death slot mm-hmm. uh, and slashed the budget no one talks because this is so irrelevant nowadays isn't it yeah people used to talk about this shit all the time i feel like <laughs> the, the idea of like the friday night death slot yeah prime time when was the last like you and i learned about prime time at broadcasting school mm. in the years and like the at at the edge of it falling off in yeah. relevance basically you know like we we were equipped for a a industry that was about to radically change in nine months after we graduated uh, yeah yeah i mean i think um house of cards which i i would consider probably the first big streaming um yeah yeah like tv show uh debuted while i was at broadcasting school mm, there you go but yeah i mean the, the friday night death slot sh- killed shows like Joan of Arcadia, Medium, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Young Rock. Most recently, what else have we got here? The A Team. It's it's interesting looking at this. That um, oh, and this was also um, famously the downfall of Firefly. I well. wonder if the if it should be more of a um a ritualistic uh rite of passage like that TV shows need to go through. Right, you start a show, you get uh six episodes in prime time mm. and then no matter what the show it even if it's doing great you move it to friday night and if it still does great you move it back that's <laughs> a good model for tv oh, yeah the because fr- yeah, the friday night death, death slot is like 10 or 11 p.m sometimes like it's yeah, yeah. hey check out new episodes of star trek like yeah mm, but mm. so in protest of this roddenberry resigned as producer and reduces direct involvement with star trek yeah, despite another letter writing campaign, NBC cancelled the series after three seasons and seventy nine episodes. So crazy, the, truly the the firefly of its time. Mm. Though I feel like it got a more of a decent shot than Firefly. Did. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so they started these like fan con- trick cons and stuff, um, mm-hmm. conventions and reruns. It went into syndication and so it developed this big new fan base. Uh, mm-hmm. It was eventually they commissioned um star trek the animated series which came out in this the time period between mm. the first 
uh, the the original series and the first film, uh, which has what like, is that time period? Can you can you clarify? The original series ended in 1969, and then the first film came out in 1979. The animated series aired from 73 to 74, right? And it has all the original cast, pretty much, um, in the mm-hmm. animated series. Interestingly, but the when else when 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 else in history has an animated series based on a movie come out with the complete original cast mm. involved? When when has that ever happened? Since let us know in the comments below. <laughs> uh, interestingly, the animated series has won Star Trek its only to this day its only best series Emmy award in the outstanding children's entertainment category. Yay! <laughs> uh, so. Then we're getting close to the release of the film now, don't worry. In 1975, Star Trek The God Thing began development, which was set to be the first feature film. And then later on, a Planet of the Titans script was picked up with Star Trek Planet of the Titans. Uh, But it was killed the week before Star Wars came out because the producers figured people don't want to see two stars films. And so... Uh, yeah, they they said you know we're not going to do a Star Trek movie now, and then the Star Trek Phase Two began development, which was a set to be a sequel series to the original series, a TV um show, mm-hmm. which has like it's a full, very detailed Wikipedia page for this show that never wow, came out, and okay. the God thing also has a Wikipedia page, and I think Planet of the Titans. Like there is cool. so much. Uh, <laughs> literature based on uh, Star Trek if you want to dive into the rabbit hole. You, you always get these franchises. It was the same thing with Neon Genesis Evangelion yeah. where you were like, anyway, there is a whole podcast worth of information about this one cancelled project that I could talk about, yeah. uh, but I'm just going to tell you it's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Star Trek Phase 2 was going to be a sequel series. It was going to have everyone returning except uh, Leonard Nimoy as Spock, interestingly, because he had it had a falling out with Roddenberry and Paramount. Although when Star Wars came out and Close Encounters of the Third Kind both came out in 1977, producers saw, oh shit, sci-fi movies are all the rage. And so the planned pilot of Star Trek Phase 2, which was called In Thy Name, was adapted to Star Trek The Motion Picture, 1979. We now, 20 minutes into this podcast, have arrived at the first film we are... (laughs) discussing so star trek the motion picture yes came out in 1979 was directed by robert wise what do you think it has on ron tomatoes i did look this up uh because i was um i was like this is great what does this have on ron tomatoes and lo and behold it's got like 52 percent or something or 53 percent (laughs) and what a crazy situation like this this little engine that could like there's never been a littler engine Mm. that could as star trek right like truly a a inspiration to cancel shows and projects everywhere right Mm. like when you look at it it's do you reckon Bill sure. Cosby's looking at uh, Star Trek being like, I could have a comeback? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and the, <laughs> the like, you know, like it's so, it's so, it's a perfect example of of something just not giving up and a fan campaign and all these wonderful mm. things that shows are lucky to get if they're cancelled these days. And then they finally come back with this triumphant film, and it's one of the bad ones, yeah. basically. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, no, interesting. Yeah, mm. so I mean, it has like all the core cast from the um mm-hmm. from the TV series reprising their roles. Just to go through this, because these are names that you will no doubt hear a lot throughout the podcast. So you've got William Shatner as Captain James T. Kirk. Leonard Nimoy as Commander Spock, DeForest Kelly as Dr. Bones McCoy, uh, James Doohan as uh, Lieutenant Commander Montgomery Scotty Scott, uh, Nichelle Nichols as Lieutenant Uhura, George Takai as Lieutenant Sulu, and Walter uh, Koenig as Navigator Pavel Chekhov. Pavel Chekhov, interesting. So, AJ, what is star trek the motion picture about god how often does a movie get subtitled the motion picture yeah there's a interesting i'm gonna steal that for something (laughs) yeah it it is interesting because there's like um i I, there's a riff kind of on superman the movie Mm. um yeah right which yeah that it's like you know having to announce that it's like this is but yeah the motion picture and it's it's a that's a it's classy. Yeah, it's classy. I'm surprised the movie is a more often used as a subtitle for TV show movies mm. than the motion picture. Uh, so the boys are back in town, bro. That's what the plot of the movie is. <laughs> so uh, they they have been, you know, they haven't been operating as a, a unit as a, on the Star Trek Enterprise since I'm going to presume maybe the end of the animated series, if that is canon or not, I'm not mm. sure. But uh, so, yeah, they've been out of commission, but they're bringing Captain Kirk and his crew back because um, there is a creepy cloud that is encroaching on earth and through the galaxy and it seems to be chewing up everything it comes into contact with like whole fleets of 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 fucking remulons and shit are getting killed (laughs) uh and it's it's very and it's it's something like it's like 20 hours away from earth or something like that and the closest ship to to it is the star trek enterprise or the starship enterprise i beg your pardon uh and captain kirk is asked by what are they called the federation starfleet Uh, yeah yeah of the federation of planets yep uh it's like all right kirk you we need you back for one last job and he's like you son of a bitch i'm in uh (laughs) and they he gets assigned to back to enterprise and he's like wow what a beautiful ship i haven't seen this since 1974 or whatever Mm. uh and he gets on the ship and his first port to call is to go and tell the new captain uh captain decker that uh, he's fired. He's been demoted. <laughs> Get the to... fuck out of my seat. <laughs> he's demoted down to, what, like executive or something like that. Mm. Uh, and he's like, you're crazy. I know more about this ship than you do. I've been working, you know, it's a, it's basically a brand new ship. And he's like, well, that's why I'll need you around. Uh, and so he, 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 uh, there's, there's tension, really delicious tension there between the two characters. Um, meanwhile, uh, Spock, uh, who I, a character I'm introduced here, <laughs> have never seen him properly in something before. Uh, he is engaging in some kind of like, adolescent ritual mm. rite of passage on his planet um and but then is like no no i'm i'm guessing because my stream didn't have subtitles mm. he's like no something's wrong i gotta get to this cloud in the sky so he he like beams aboard enterprise so the gang is all back together and they they get to this cloud um and discover that it's like it, they literally call it an orifice 
I'm not just being crass. They call it an orifice. Mm. It is inside the cloud is essentially what I am sure I'm not the first person to call a space butthole that seems to be emitting very strange energies out. Um, they Captain Kirk is like, let's boldly go. And Decker is like, I advise you not to do that. But Kirk does it anyway. And uh, Decker's secret bald girlfriend who works aboard Enterprise is zapped and obliterated. And he's like, I told you, that's what we were risking uh and but then uh she gets beamed back on board but is now like a reconfigured mouthpiece for this cloud thing mm. that is now speaking to them so they end up going in i'm summarizing and, and truncating the story but they well, they end up going God, in and because the movie's 132 they- <laughs> They they discover that 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 is it is a living machine that has amassed like all the knowledge of the universe and the this voice piece through this woman keeps saying it is returning to Earth to meet its maker because that is the purpose and when it can't find its maker when they get to Earth it's like right well I'm gonna destroy Earth mm. and they realize this thing's kind of a baby like literally like this thing seems to be not very mature about things so let's uh, let's um, let's treat it like a baby and they're like no and they jump on on board and they go into the the heart of the space butthole only to find that the real mind behind this whole thing which has been calling itself Viger, mm-hmm. v apostrophe g-e-r yep it's actually the voyager star space station is this a real one or one that's happening in our future uh, it's like voyager 6 or uh, something voyager like 6 that. i think only voyager 1 and 2 were actually made right right so yeah. in the fictional world of the film voyager 6 has gone around the, the universe collected everything else and is now returning to meet its maker as was its um protocol the idea being that it like amassed so much knowledge that it became a sentient life form and so they're like well we're your makers you have achieved your mission you don't need to destroy earth we are your makers and it's like no i still need there's still things that i don't know that i need to transcend knowledge itself and they're trying to think oh what do we do and then decker's like you know what if this thing's in my secret bald girlfriend's head I can give it the the transcendent of knowledge that it needs. And I was thinking, Richard, they are going to bone. Yeah, he's no like... No question, right? Yeah, I've got infinite <laughs> knowledge for you right here. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's dirty for a... <laughs> for, for, for what I thought was a squeaky clean show yeah. like Star Trek. Uh, but it's not really sex. They just sort of touch hands and... Uh, transcend the hey i got a transient experience for you (laughs) (laughs) they they transcend the material world which maybe that is what sex is um and and so they become part of like a larger system of knowledge and existence and i thought richard this was so fucking good (laughs) what the hell i thought this was so good because i loved the tension between the two characters i thought it was so interesting and so cool and um really relatable as well like you can kind of see where both characters are coming from and i just loved how the story then made it so that this this ugly duckling of a character you know these these two characters who are in love who i'm pretty sure weren't in the original series so mm. you know judging by red shirt law they're not going to be around for much mm. you know for the, the sequels i was like what do you do with them and they have such a perfect ending like they the, the guy is like i want to be captain he's kicked off captain and then he finds something better and the woman he loves is 
melded psychically yeah. to a Voyager spacecraft. I just thought it was it was really effective storytelling, and on top of that, some of the craziest visuals I've ever seen in a mm. film. This movie is psychedelic, dude. There's like very it is like clear inspiration from two thousand and one. Instead of Star Wars. Mm incredible what a call to make right <laughs> like you, star wars has just come out you're like sweet the appetite is ripe the re the, uh, the old star trek series not dissimilar to star wars so we just do that but no it's like star wars didn't come out in 2001 it just come out instead. Yeah, and it is the, so the primary um you know space yeah yeah and it's yeah exactly yeah yeah and i just like there's this one shot where like spock goes into the space butthole to find out what's happening and it like fucks him up and he like floats out and you've just got this shot of like this lone astronaut just sort of like in fetal position floating in like this kaleidoscopic blue nebula yeah and i was like I've never seen anything like this. And it's so rudimentary and cheap and like kind of bad, quote unquote. But Galaxy Brain, bad CGI or bad special effects is good special effects, you know, because this feels uh, otherworldly and strange. Mm. And it's so painfully slow it is such a slow movie and i think better call saul has changed me to now just relish in like slow pacing and something now yeah right so if you were to go back and watch the first episode of star trek now you would be mm. maybe a, a little different yeah exactly I, all of um the those original the pre-streaming ones are all on netflix in new zealand i didn't realize but yeah yeah um, true, yeah but yeah and they also have the cage which wasn't made publicly available for like 20 years after it was made wow but yeah a few things i mean yeah i liked the film i didn't like it as much as you did i thought it was a good introduction to star trek but i think that my um rankings or my my thoughts of the film because sort of lie a bit more in line with the general consensus <laughs> sure yeah that's fine we are you i'm usually always a general consensus boy so i'm happy to like i don't know it just felt so my taste which is not something i feel particularly happy saying about star trek yeah that, that <laughs> yeah. you are a tricky and yeah <laughs> yeah I, I mean i i was amazed at how much i got into some of if not all of these films and yeah, yeah sure. it, never having been a tricky and mm. Oh, I always kind of thinking I don't think I would enjoy the show, but no, same because you were saying like you said to your parents, "Why did you never get me into Star Trek?" And they said it was lame. I never asked that to my parents because I never wanted to get into Star Trek mm. because it looked lame. Did your parents have like the like you'd you'd subscribe to a magazine and every month I'd send you a new VHS and you line the walls with them and it creates you know it's like half of the S of Star Trek is on one spine of a DVD. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware of the things, but no, we didn't. Have like that. But <laughs> my I, friend in high, in, in high school and in intermediate actually his dad had like the whole thing on like a, nice. a bookcase dedicated to these things yeah it's because I, I like i remember my parents talking about star trek specifically um the voyage home and maybe we'll talk about that later on but i maybe we'll talk about the voyage home later on we'll see but the <laughs> if you're good but yeah like like, i don't remember them ever watching star trek or anything like that because like i would watch like the brady bunch and happy days growing up they would be on on prime in new zealand which mm. is just announced it's getting its name changed primers yeah prime it's going to be called like sky it's going to be sky something um because it falls on it's part of sky wow 
lot of lot of formative memories from Prime, Happy Days, and Seinfeld and Mash. Yeah, like shit like that. And it's like, yeah, so if, if Star Trek was on, like, and you know, I would have watched it. Yeah, yeah, I would have watched it, and my parents would have been like, "Oh hell yeah, you know, this is a great one." <laughs> but yeah, I I put on uh, when No Man Has Gone Before the the it's the third episode of the series, but it was like the second pilot that they made. So I was like, oh, you know, this mm-hmm. was their proof of concept. So I put it on. I got like three minutes in. <laughs> I was like. This is lame. <laughs> uh, like it's it, it's because yeah, I don't think I could pick up Star Trek now, like or the TV show. Uh, like, I, I, part of me was tempted to be like, oh, maybe I should give Discovery or Strange New Worlds a go. Um, hmm. But yeah, it's just it's a it's a big commitment. I know I don't watch a lot of TV. <laughs> hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I think um, I I understand what you mean, and I think if I was going to watch any of the shows, I feel like TNG is the is the one you would. You know that's that's got Roddenberry still on board, and it's the uh, sort of you know twenty years later, so it's got a better budget. So yeah, I that's mean what the, would, the, that's what it would entice me. <laughs> I've heard that um, Deep Space Nine is like the best one, but not according to my dad when I told him that I liked the motion picture. Wow, he said that that one's boring because it's just the space station, right? They don't go anywhere. Interesting. So it made $139 million in the US, which was the most tickets of any film in the franchise until the 2009 Mm. reboot. And it remains the highest grossing film of the franchise worldwide adjusted for inflation. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess... And everyone hated it. Yeah, yeah, not not everyone. More people liked it than didn't. But the... But yeah, I mean, I guess it's just at a time where the hunger for new Star Trek was at an all-time high. Uh, But Paramount considered its... uh, gross to be disappointing compared to expectations and marking marketing uh the budget of it was 44 million dollars which does include the costs incurred when it was being produced as phase two you know the star trek phase two right. uh which right. was the largest production budget for any film uh, ever made at the time wow awesome well if you're gonna do it you would do it with star trek i guess yeah it's yeah. funny funny i was reading that in the time that the show was off here many of the quote-unquote futuristic technologies uh, that had appeared on the show actually became a reality. Some examples being electric doors that can open automatically, <laughs> uh, which you know we just wow. take for granted now. But yeah, there was wow. this, all the stories of like people behind the scenes, like you know, it was actually just two people off screen like pulling the doors yeah, open. Yeah. <laughs> Talking computers were invented in the ten year period, right. uh, and weapons that stun rather than kill. Right. <laughs> which is like it's such a it's it's such a funny idea to think of that as being futuristic at one point. Mm. That's like set phases mm. to yeah. stun and they're like, holy yeah, shit, yeah. you can do that? Well let's make that a real thing. Yeah. And then also and personal communication devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the there was a bunch of rewrites going on behind the scenes as well. The studio executives clashed with Gene Roddenberry about the script's ending believing the concept of a living machine was too far-fetched so they 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 consulted isaac asimov um you know who's hell yeah 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 and they're like what do you think does this is this plausible and that they said all right if if asimov (laughs) likes the ending you can keep it and he loved the ending but he made one small suggestion he thought the use of the word wormhole was incorrect and uh said it would be more accurately called a temporal tunnel a temporal tunnel yes see this is great because i can imagine in 1979 being like it's a computer 
it's never gonna be this level of artificially intelligent Mm. in 2023 i'm like without a fucking doubt in my mind Mm. like you know not right now but the way things are going there is absolutely room in like what i consider possible for there to be a robot sent out to amass all knowledge succeeding and coming back years later and being sort of like indistinguishable from a human, well, not indistinguishable, but very no, human-like in its <laughs> being very human-like in its responses, and even having kind of a magical power kind of thing. I don't know. I think it's like it's not magic. It's just science we don't understand yet, oh. and that is something that AI has helped me to truly like be like, oh yeah, okay, that actually might happen. That's such day. like a and Marvel it, explanation of what's happening. It, it's literally a Marvel explanation. Yeah. That's what I was quoting. <laughs> <laughs> but that's 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 truth. That's I think I think Marvel this is, is truth. I think Star Trek the motion picture will one day be based on a true story. Wow. <laughs> or inspire a true it's story. It's based on a true story that hasn't happened yet. Wow, is that from something as well? Oh, yeah, this podcast. That that feels like the um the like snappy tagline on like a Dreamworks movie from 2006. Yeah, like over the know. hedge. Yeah, well some probably something set in the future, I guess. Nah. No, no, over the head based <laughs> on a true story that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I feel like that that would be yeah, if you were pitching like a Terminator two now, <laughs> you know, mm, you'd be like it's, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's I feel like yeah, that's gonna be used in a pitch someday if it hasn't already. We gotta Google this because if this is already a thing, I'm gonna be very embarrassed. Base based on a true story that hasn't happened yet um sassy based on a true story that hasn't happened yet it's a novel by uh martin keating all right well uh, Kev- oh no here we go kevin sorbo says that left behind is based on a true oh story that just hasn't happened yet. oh wow. there he is there he is oh it's fr- it's literally like it's like yeah it's like a it's the new left behind film it's the that's the tagline for it that there you go richard that's what we were desperately trying to remember yeah, yeah. was the new left behind that's so funny slogan. that it's like we were like fuck this is actually like really cool and deep and then it's like <laughs> couldn't be for a lamer film yeah yeah kevin sorbo thought it was cool and deep <laughs> as well um so yeah i mean the 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 film was considered a disappointment by the studio and the studio blamed this squarely on gene roddenberry and they said that his constant rewrites and creative direction for the plotting pace um, was what resulted in the disappointing gross. And it did well enough that the studio funded a cheaper sequel. Uh, Roddenberry was forced out. And so this sucks, man. I think I'm a Gene Roddenberry fan because this, the motion picture of the six we've seen so far, yeah. the motion picture is still my favorite one. Wow. And I think it's because of all these, all this like taking its time that was just completely absent from the sequels. Mm. And I liked, I liked plenty of these movies. I liked more of them than I didn't. But like that pace, it was so brave. You know, it was so, it was so, it was boldly going very slowly. And there were times when I was watching it and I was like, this is boring. And then the most spectacular visual thing I've ever seen 
would appear on screen. Remember when they go through the temporal tunnel and it like does this weird like filter where they're all sort of like turned into like like they've got like ghost trails behind them. Mm. I was like, ah, oh, imagine if you were in that room and that was happening to you. Imagine if you were on a starship and you're experiencing that and you all just had to do protocol and and you know to survive. That'd be so crazy. I, <laughs> I love when it's just like you're just amazed by like. I think you're just amazed by space. I'm very scared of space. Wow. Mm. Especially the space between myself and the people I love. The most terrifying space of all. Looks that up. Oh, that's the tagline for God's Not Dead 5. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do. (laughs) God's Not Dead 5, the space between us. (laughs) The space between us. (laughs) So, uh, I, I, the one thing that uh, like always tackles me how into it you are is, um, if, if you guys you guys probably don't know this about AJ, but he's like real into videos of kids being funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wish you had phrased it a little less creepy, but <laughs> like, fair enough. AJ sends me like TikToks of like cute c- cute little kids doing something <laughs> unintentionally hilarious but i th- the thing is like i think you i think what you enjoy is like i was gonna say non-human things but like things that don't normally like express knowledge or emotion expressing sure. a, an immense amount of knowledge or emotion like because also like animals being aware of what they're doing being funny tickles you yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. What's the problem? <laughs> it's just, it, it, like, I know that there's, like, a deeper reason for it. There's, like, specific types, but it's, like, every time you send me a video of, like, a kid falling down or something like that, <laughs> I'm like, this is the most normie shit <laughs> Uh, the funniest one was the that guy at the like he's there at like at the zoo and there's a guy with a very realistic looking like velociraptor puppet on his hand and he's like he's like talking to a bunch of kids he's like don't worry it's asleep and he holds his finger in front of him and then it wakes up and nips his hand he's like ow and the crowd erupts <laughs> and the parents are like ho, 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 and you hear all these kids screaming and then in the last <laughs> second and a half of a video of the video it turns and there's this like traumatized little boy <laughs> screaming reaching into the camera and it's like it's like the whole thing is like ah! <laughs> that's all you see of it it's yeah. like the split second and it's just oh my god it's the star trek the motion picture of tiktoks <laughs> uh so are you ready to move on to star trek 2 the wrath of khan yeah i guess if we're gonna get through the rest of these inferior sequels <sighs> aj you silly boy we got Star Trek people listening just like red in the face, like the classic Star Trek villain. Red in the, like, villain? So, whoa, that was a Freudian slip. I mean, Star Trek fan. Uh, <laughs> like, red in the face at me disagreeing with their opinion. I told my dad my ranking today, and he was like, he literally said, that's messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought you were talking about a, like, you know, a classic Star Trek villain from Voyager or something called right, Red no. in the Face. <laughs> Red in the Face. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Star Trek II Wrath of Khan came out and there's a, there's a varying, uh, you know, scholars differ on how to pronounce that word. You say Wrath, don't you? Oh, no. 
I say wrath, like a British, like an upper class British. I say Crash Bandicoot, the wrath of Cortex. Oh yeah. Whereas it's it's supposed to be wrath. And when I was in high school, I got bullied for the way I said the word world, as in take over the world, mm. uh, because I said world, and everyone else said world, and. I fundamentally changed how I say that word. And the same thing happened with wrath, but it just didn't work. I will instinctively say wrath over wrath or wrath. Wrath is very biblical. Wrath is the British pronunciation. Yeah, well, then I'm just saying what I, for some reason... But, like, it's not like we pronounce bath like bath. Why would we not pronounce wrath like wrath? <laughs> there, I mean, you're getting into... There's a lot of English language thing that, doesn't, that don't follow that. Um, Name... One to several others, please. Don't just move on. Okay. So the yeah, I mean, I'm I'm probably gonna just a heads up. I'm probably gonna change my pronunciation all throughout this. But yeah, <laughs> it was directed by Nicholas Meyer. What do you think as a Rotten Tomatoes? Let's go ninety ninety percent. Nineteen ninety percent. No. Nineteen ninety percent. This has eighty six percent. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. So what is? Well, this one the about. boys are back in town, bro, because they were enjoying sort of a docile life and semi-retirement off off uh, enterprise, um, where they were just hanging out and teaching other people how to be enterprise dr- drivers, captains, including one Kirsty Alley. Mm. Always love to see Kirsty Alley in things. That's right. Kirsty Alley is in what's what many consider to be the best Star Trek movie. <laughs> so funny to me. Um, and uh, but some of the other crew members they get kidnapped um, by a mysterious man, uh, and it turns out that that man. That's right, everybody. It's Khan, <gasps> a character I don't recognize or know of. I'm assuming. Was in the TV show at some point. Uh, mm. And he puts brain worms in Chekhov, uh, literal brain worms, and sort of t- turns him into a slave. And the idea is that he he's getting him to infiltrate Enterprise. The idea, the, the, the main story is, is that he wants revenge on Captain Kirk for the events of a previous episode of the show. Um, and they have to get around it, I guess. Uh, and it's all it's all sort of like this big... A lot of it takes place just in space, which I thought was interesting. Not like on a planet. Mm. It's kind of what what you maybe maybe the other ones are more more like that. I think, but yeah. um, there's sort of this head to head battle between um, the Enterprise and uh, Khan's uh, ship, in which she has a bunch of like slaves on. They they end up having this head to head in space, and um, basically the the main crux the main movement of the, of this whole battle is spock finds himself needing to deal directly with hazardous uh, materials uh, which ends up killing him in the process but they save the day and they have a little funeral for spock um and i've totally forgotten to talk about the main story yeah, I, the film, <laughs> um, which is uh, something called genesis which is essentially like a device that can create life and yeah, the bad guys want Genesis. it. Yeah, the bad guys want it for evil reasons. The good guys want it for good reasons. Um, and they end up creating a planet with it that they call the Genesis planet. And that's where Spock's final, uh, that's his resting place. That's where the coffin rests. Yeah, and um, I guess that's the last we've seen of Spock. Um, yeah, well, it's interesting because like I was watching this and being like, see, 
imagine what would happen if something like this happened these days like a a sequel to a movie that's already like based on a beloved cult tv show i don't think you'd kill off the fan favorite character these days like like these movies exist in a time before fan entitlement on a <laughs> franchise where there are still like plenty of risks taken there are still there's still like like genre is played with and mm. you know like characterization is played with in a way that feels like they're not beholden to keep everyone status quo which i don't think you get in franchise now look at look at star wars like yeah, star wars is just regurgitating bullshit yeah uh, i think you're wrong about this taking place before fan entitlement that when um it, the almost the entire script leaked and all the idea that spock would die leaked and fans sent death threats to production and and to lena never Nemo. mind um, it's always been like this it's always <laughs> been like this so the they sent death threats to Leonard Nimoy. That sounds kind of counterproductive. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you, if you die, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah, but yeah, the, the Leonard Nimoy didn't want to uh, actually come back um, right. for for the sequel, but then was in, was brought back. It was enticed to come back, uh, being told that he'd be given a dramatic death scene. There was a lot of negative reaction in the test audience to Spock's death, and they kept on changing all the stuff but it was essentially it was announced before the film came out like don't worry you'll see spock again because leonard nimoy enjoyed making the film so much that he agreed to come back for a third and even directed the third one um interesting right so this is something you hear a lot like harrison ford Ford, trying to kill han solo for decades yeah uh did you know spock died in this yeah I had no idea. I'm just, yeah, I mean, I like, knew the circumstances of it, everything. Because, um, I mean, oh, it's, well, it's, no, I had no idea. there's a, a flip of it in, into darkness where um, it's the... I haven't si- seen it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, you see this essentially the same scene play out, but it's um, the other way around. And, ah. uh, but they, they toy with things as well. But the, um, and then I knew that the, third film was the search for spark because they'd shot his body out of space and i mean the, the thing- i knew i knew it was the search for spock but i didn't i didn't know it was the third film and i didn't know what that meant like mm. that doesn't mean he's dead necessarily you know? yeah sure but it is um it is interesting that there's one of the things about star trek is that it is a franchise that we have just being two connoisseurs of pop culture throughout our lives have seen so many references to and a lot very explicit ones you can tell when they're riffing on star trek but the the one that it's it's actually in the previous movie but you just reminded me of it was that there's probably one of my least favorite episodes of futurama which was right after they came back on comedy central i think it's like the second episode and um of the comedy and degada delita yeah yeah delila um where it's like the whole thing is like we can do slightly more adult jokes now because we're on and so the whole thing is about leela and zap getting caught having sex and blah 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 blah. but there's this whole joke in it where the spacecraft gets crushed a little bit and its name is just vagina and the whole joke is that it sounds like you know vagina and Mm. i couldn't when when vijay showed up i was like oh my mm. god one of the dumbest futurama <laughs> jokes is actually a reference to a star trek one that's insane 
blew my mm. mind. Uh, one thing that I'll give. So I liked this fine. Mm. I didn't. I thought think this it was, was fantastic. Motion, I, I, I fucking picture. loved it. Nice. Well, you can you can wax lyrical about this one, but one thing I wanted to say about it is that the the one thing I'll give it over motion picture is when this started and Kirk and Spock started interacting. I was like, ah, this is what people. Yeah loved because that's not really in the first one mm. spock is in a weird headspace i kind of just thought he was a completely like emotionless character whereas in this film they have these you know dialogue scenes together and it's so rich because yeah. you've got someone like kirk who's fully human who uh is quite rambunctious and and brave and uh and proud and then you've got someone like spock who is logical and calculated mm. much less chaotic and what the first film doesn't give you that this film and the remaining ones do is they like each other they're mm. friends and i did not know i'd only seen the 2009 movie where they kind of hate each other in it yeah, they um, have a begrudging respect i guess yeah yeah but this is like their best friends and i was mm. like i really like this i really like this dynamic so, so also i should point out the the scene that you missed on vulcan in the first well you didn't miss it but you know didn't have the <laughs> subtitles was a like you said it was a coming of age ritual and it was like to purge him of all emotion and so right. um because spock is half human uh he he calls off the ceremony because he feels an emotional connection to vijur um and so, so but yeah it good. is so it, good makes me like the film even more <laughs> it is interesting that you have like yeah spock is such an interesting character because it, it feels like writing yourself into a corner where it's like mm. what if we write a character who can't show emotion you know mm. essentially can't have any character in a way but also make mm. him the best character yeah and and it's it's the same thing with like a, a, these shadows of uh when how how it felt watching scrubs when dr cox would say something nice like that's the kind of yeah, like yeah. tension you're playing with with spock is like you can have these really impactful moments where this character who's so stalwart and so like serious like learns something or like engages with his human side or shows that he cares someone mm. or in this case uh sacrifice himself for his friends and family well because it's the logical thing to do because it's the logical he thing says to that do. multiple and, times he doesn't fucking then, shut up about it in fact and then when kirk ejects his coffin out into space he says he was the, his soul was the most human i ever knew i was like this is great yeah this i mean awesome. that, that is that, <laughs> it's a very famous line his one that like of all the souls i've encountered in all my travels his was the most human and it was interesting because i I've seen that clip before. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And I've seen it referenced. I've seen that quote written down a bunch of times. But like, it's, fuck, it's good in context. <laughs> and mm. um, Funny how that works, eh? Funny how a lot of the most famous, iconic moments in pop culture are much better when you watch the surrounding context. <laughs> yeah. But the but uh, the thing about it that amazed me, and even just coming into this franchise, was that... William Shatner has a certain reputation these days. He's like, he's kind of the butt of the joke in a lot of <laughs> things now. And I, I didn't know really anything about Captain Kirk outside of the 2000, the JJ Abrams films, which I've seen all three of those. And, you know, he's a cocky, pretty boy, like, you know, Chris Pine's fun dude to watch, but that, yeah, I, I don't know. I just didn't really expect to like 
Kirk at all, but like he's an incredible character, and it's like, yeah, I oh, really okay, like Kirk. Okay, I can understand why this um, person is, you know, so so beloved as a and and why mm. launch Star Trek as a as a thing. Although I will say, and this this is, and I guess this is kind of insulting, but the especially by the later films mm. he's a little bit older and he's a little bit slower and stuff is that mm. i kept thinking how fucking good casting tim allen is in galaxy quest right okay Explain. playing a captain kirk type that it's like yeah, yeah. ah by, by the end of this it's like he kind of is a way better tim allen <laughs> like very <laughs> similar sort of characterization in a lot of ways but yeah, have you seen Gal- Galaxy Quest? Yeah, and you're the third or fourth person to ask me that in the past two weeks since we started Star Trek because all these trickies that have entered our lives all of a sudden mm. love to tell us that Galaxy Quest is the best Star Trek movie that's not a Star Trek movie. And yeah. it's like, yeah, cool, we're not watching. We'll watch it for generic movie podcasts. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, please I'm vote for it because I'd it. like to watch it now with, this, with the knowledge of mm. Star Trek. But I, 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 yeah, I've seen it as well. But the... There's some like official Star Wars Star sorry look whoa, whoa whoa sorry how dare you <laughs> some official Star Trek ranking that puts um that has deemed that Galaxy Quest is a better Star Trek movie than Into Darkness very funny you know what I mean like cool yeah good good joke <laughs> <laughs> I I'm my measurement for for William Shatner was when did he start looking like denny crane from boston legal yeah i i i you're not not denny crane specifically but yeah what i understand shatner to look like now Mm. is like indistinguishable from a wrath of khan kirk and Mm. yeah it is interesting seeing um do you mean indistinguishable or distinguishable if he was indistinguishable he looks exactly the same yeah so it's it's indistinguishable that he would become that it's the same but like yeah i yeah 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 Yeah, okay okay i guess weird word to use but i get what you mean it is a weird word to use (laughs) but the you'll never use indistinguishable again now because i've made fun of you erased from my i'm gonna tear it out of my word of day calendar which has failed me but the i've i've seen the poster for star trek generations which we'll, we'll get to and that's the one that's like oh that's this is halfway between <laughs> what mm. i'm used to um mm. but yeah one of these guys that like seems like he just disappeared and then came back as denny crane <laughs> in boston legal well, I was like, oh there's a, di- yeah. a different looking person but you can say like i always felt that way about carrie fisher between you know like mm. to bring back star wars again and, and a new hope she's like commander this is not the right way to do things and then in for force away she's like what are you two doing out here <laughs> she's really <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> she's like mrs incredible and (laughs) the force awakens yeah but then you see like her cameo you see her like cameo and like scream three or she was in like a wasn't she in like a jay and silent bob film she's in austin powers yeah and it's like yeah and then it's like you have it's like oh that's the in between (laughs) (laughs) the missing link (laughs) yeah uh but the so gene roddenberry wrote his own sequel it wasn't this one uh, wow. His plot involved the crew of the Enterprise traveling back in time to set right a corrupted timeline after Klingons used the Guardian of Forever to prevent the assassination of God John F. Kennedy. I mean... So I guess it's Enterprise going back in time to ensure Kennedy gets assassinated. Right. I, it's like, well... It's not like, you know, there's a movie coming up that's not especially dissimilar to that plot, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like these. That's if this was another franchise, 
and you told me that you know you know what I mean like I might be like that's crazy that Roddenberry wanted to take yeah if this is if this was God's not dead yeah knowing what I know of like where Star Trek can boldly go narratively I'm like uh, any kind of feels like anything's probably permissible with yeah, yeah, yeah the realm of Star Trek now uh fun sort of behind the scenes stuff so uh, Har of Bennett was a new uh, new paramount tv producer and was hired to be the producer for the next star trek film and he stayed on for the next few uh he was called in front of a group including jeffrey katzenberg and michael eisner um mm-hmm. two names that you know they've popped up here and there i've heard of yeah and they and he was they are asked if if he thought he could make a better film than the motion picture which bennett said he found really boring <laughs> uh he said uh, yeah he could and then charles bladorn said can you make it for less than 45 fucking million dollars and he <laughs> said where i come from i can make five movies for that mm. and then so he was he was then hired and then realized oh shit i've never seen star trek so <laughs> he he then uh went back and watched like was shown like 10 episodes of the show or something like that figured that the the issue from the first film was that it lacked a strong villain and so after watching the episode space seed which is uh, a later episode in season one he decided that khan noonien singh was the perfect enemy for the new film and that episode yeah khan and the enterprise crew face off with each other and it ends with him being uh, exiled on this planet and it is interesting, though, that he, um, you you might have picked up on this, but there's a big continuity error, which is re- one of these things that you go into the IMDb trivia, and there is dozens of entries that are essentially the same thing, is that mm-hmm. Chekhov wasn't part of the Enterprise crew at the time. He came into the series later, and so... Right he he never met khan but then they right. clearly recognize each other in this and there's like all these non-canon explanations where it's like the the the, the sort of i guess the like accepted one is that um he was working in like the lower decks at the time mm. or whatever in security or something like that and then and escorted khan at some point in the episode off screen right and kirk was so impressed that that's what made him hire him there but yeah there's like all these things it's like no no it's, it's canon that he was working on the enterprise he just wasn't on the bridge so you know and you know, they, they had a very also, brief interaction also interesting that in the like 50 or 60 years or however long it's been of star trek that they've never you know because i know they've addressed other plot inconsistencies over the years but they mm. never went back to that one they never f- figured out a way to slip that piece of information into a discovery or something that's yeah. what i would do <laughs> yeah i mean I, I don't know if it's um i mean one of those answers might have become canon i read half a dozen different explanations mm. for it mm. some mm. of them were, interesting were non-canon but um yeah no yeah, it's, it's interesting and what did you think of ricardo Montalban? Who is an actor we've seen a few times on this podcast? Oh, have we? What else have we seen him in? Because I did not recognize. Him. Oh, really? I remember him being yeah. in um, uh, one of the Planet of the Apes films, one of the ones that, okay. that either four or f- three, uh, three or four of the original series. Um, 
when they you know go back in time and there's all that stuff mm-hmm. and he's also the grandfather in Spy Kids <laughs> yes too yeah so he's uh, and, and just I, I didn't know this I, I seen you a TikTok recently of um, Robert Rodriguez's film school on mm. his like sort of behind the scenes of how they achieve some stuff on Spy Kids 3D and yeah I didn't that, that uh, since like 2000 or like the mid 90s uh, Ricardo Montalban was a wheelchair user and so mm. all the stuff in because the, the plot of Spike It's 3D is that when he's in the video game he he has a you know mech suit and so can can walk yeah, and yeah. run and everything but yeah that was all filmed with you know the, this actor who was actually in a wheelchair which was which was interesting that I was like, oh yeah sure that's actually mm. never knew that but Still bringing up Spy Kids trivia all these years later. <laughs> yeah, so he, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, he's got a very fun uh, screen presence, and I, I thought he was great in the film. It's very, he was like sixty or something in this film, and he's got this like bare chest half the time with these like very, very well defined pecs that mm. I, a lot of people assume are like a um a chest piece, but no, that's mm. that's his real body. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I need to watch this one again because I think I was just. I'm so thinking hyped maybe I need to watch it. the first one again. <laughs> I was so hyped for it after the first one because I was like, "Wow, I loved that one," and the second one's supposed to be even better. And I didn't. I found him kind of cheesy. I found. I found like what was what was most interesting about it is like how much of the film he's losing the battle for. Mm. Like I was like, this is really interesting stakes because from a they start fighting in like the start of the third act and i felt like khan never really got the upper hand and just then just got killed <laughs> like that was that was kind of what it felt like and i guess like uh i don't know it just didn't it didn't quite hit me as hard because it it focuses on these big cheesy performances over the kind of like quiet it's a lot more like slow. traditional than yeah yeah, yeah exactly and i mean, I mean like I think traditional is, movie rather than Mm. traditional star trek yeah what i think is really interesting though about this um and this is an experience that is heightened by having not seen the series is like we have a couple of times come across movies and franchises that are are more known as a tv show than a movie franchise your your rugrats your Yu-Gi-Ohs, your spongebobs that sort of thing (laughs) and now star trek is standing amongst those greats yeah exactly uh and like, how common is it for a movie sequel to a TV show to, like, so explicitly require you to be familiar with a specific episode of the TV show? Because I think, you look at something like The Simpsons movie, and you mm. can, like, watch that in a vacuum. Like, you could watch that at well, any, you'd, any you'd point. you suffocate, but yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I'm reminded of, like, the like the sex in the city movie where it does like a quick brief recap at the start and how tacky that kind of felt because i guess this is the the exception and you you definitely see it flow the other way like i think um things like um south park would do episodes that reference the movie i think the x files as well like the first movie came out between five and seasons five and six and season six is sort of like dealing directly with the events of the movie but i'm just because of the whole like you know you want to appeal to as big an audience as possible and not have to necessarily worry about if they've seen this episode or Mm. that episode this the wrath of khan the wrath of khan sorry 
is an example where it's like, no, you have to have seen one of 79 episodes from the original show. And I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I feel mm. about that. I mean, I, I didn't feel particularly lost or anything. Um, but the... Yeah, it's interesting because this film was actually originally... Uh, didn't have Khan in the title, but it was like a studio note um, to be like, no, you have to put Khan because that's like... And so I guess maybe, he, you know, he just was a huge deal from the show. But uh, the original title for this film was Star Trek II The Undiscovered Country. Let's talk about that title when we talk about titles or when we talk about The Undiscovered Country, the, the sixth film in the franchise. <laughs> uh but yeah then it was then it was changed to the vengeance of khan but that was uh in a show of good faith between studios uh it was changed because of the upcoming uh star wars revenge of the jedi and it was deemed too similar so they changed it to the wrath of khan. right well thank god that revenge of the jedi was remained untarnished <laughs> then as a title yeah but the one thing that's uh one sort of notable piece of film history in this film is that this is the first film to ever feature a sequence made entirely uh computer graphics oh right i thought you were going to say that uh it contributed con to <laughs> pop culture which my only knowledge of before seeing this film was a single serving website back in like 2005 oh, yeah. called con.com where you'd go to it and it would just be the screenshot of shatner yelling it with the sound playing on repeat yeah like uh, Putin on the Ritz kind of thing. You remember Putin <laughs> on the Ritz? I don't know. <laughs> okay, it's a website where Putin on the Ritz is playing and it's just a, a, a looping gif of Vladimir Putin on a Ritz cracker. That sounds hilarious. Mm. It's good stuff. The, um, Check out com. <laughs> but yeah, the, the creation of the Genesis planet when, they, when they're shown like a previs of what, what would happen. Um, mm. Yeah, it's a 60 second sequence fully com- computer graphics animated and apparently the graphics team paid all this attention to like you know what the stars in the sky would look like and everything but uh yeah the the lucasfilms computer graphics group was um took on uh the challenge and it was like one of their first big projects films worked on a star trek movie yeah interestingly so they um but yeah the this very small team of animators that did this uh yeah, they they used that as sort of like a commercial for the for the studio's talents, and then later they branched off and are now known as Pixar. Ah, another Pixar origin story to add to the library. <laughs> Chuck it on the pile. <laughs> it was Steve Jobs. It was you know it was this, these college students. It was also Star Trek Two. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about Star Trek Two? I don't think so. I think um, we didn't talk about Kirstie Alley much, but that's fine because she's recast. <laughs> she's recast in the next film. Uh, yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, she doesn't. Oh, this is, Kirk has a son. We meet in this. He's got a yes. long lost son that we meet in this one, um, and I'm sure he will stick around for years to come. Yeah, we we would he go to, into the great unknown, into the the unknown to, country, the undiscovered country. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he's um, yeah he's one of the scientists working on um, Project Genesis, but he yeah it's interesting the the thing about Kirstie Alley. So she plays a half Vulcan, half Romulan, and it's interesting. I read sort of quotes from her behind the scenes talking about how like um, it's hard playing a Vulcan as a female because 
people are just going to be like, well, she's a bitch, you know? Like, (laughs) it's when you have a character who's cold and reasoning and logical and they're a man, Mm. they're the best character. When you have that and they're a woman, it's like, oh, who's this fucking bitch? (laughs) So, um, yeah, there was a lot of sort of debate. And she she cries at the funeral of Spock, which was like one of these massive debates on set about like, she she shouldn't be able to cry. But then it was uh, her Romulan side coming out. Sorry, guys, it's my Romulan side. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what, 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 what did you think of Kirstie Alley? I just think it's just like she's an actress who I associate so much with like bad stuff. Like she was pretty outspokenly right wing toward the end of her life. Yeah. Uh, so she's just sort of like like you know I used to wonder do the right do the right think that like they've got us by having Kirstie Alley and Tim Allen on their team. You know, are they big gets for the right wing? Um, but yeah, I don't, so it's weird to see her in a movie like this where, like, it feels like it's so uh, cheerful and uh, hopeful. And it's like, that's everything you're against. That's the woman from the Weight Watchers commercial. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I thought she was, she was good in the film, though. And hmm. she was good enough in sure. the film. That's all we, are, that's all we need. That's all. That's all we want from Kirstie Alley. But it is. I messaged you while I was watching this that, like, because I. I mean, um, William Shatner was on Steve O's podcast like a month or two ago at the age mm. of ninety two, and he looks fucking amazing. Like, mm. you know, he he is like I said, he's the butt of jokes, and it's like, oh, you know, that guy's still. But it's like, no, fucking what a legend! Like, <laughs> still mm. around at this age, and I said that, like, you know, who in nineteen. 19- 80 what did i say 1982 watching this film like would believe you if you said that savick would die before william shatner a pretty uh, we, you know william shatner seems like he's got plenty of time left as well yeah still. like he's been to space he'd probably travel time before he dies yeah that's the real final frontier but they got there again. but yeah what was the thing that he <laughs> like regrets going to space yeah, he went to space with um, with Jeff Bezos. He oh, went yeah, to space right, with yeah. Jeff Bezos and came da- down and they were being interviewed as soon as they landed. And William Shatner looks like ghostly white and he's just sort of like, we're so insignificant, we're so small. And then Jeff Bezos goes like, yee-haw! Like, yeah, with steals the microphone. Like... <laughs> it's the funniest fucking thing. And yeah. like, it's also pretty funny that going to space ruined William Shatner's life. <laughs> like, that's, that's a very interesting thing to happen to a man of that age. Yeah. But he, yeah, he's the oldest man in space and he, who mm. to have been to space. And... Yeah, I think he was asked, like, when Picard came out about, like, oh, you know, would you ever want to don the, the, the space suit ever again? And he's just like, fuck no. I'm like, I don't have the energy for that shit. <laughs> like, he'd done a couple of commercials and he's like, these are long days. Like, I don't have the energy for that anymore. <laughs> I'm looking at what he looks like. God, he does not look 93. Yeah. He looks late 60s. Yeah. Far out. And like, because you look at is he like, gonna live forever? Like, is that just what's gonna? He's just gonna live forever? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, I, yeah, yeah. Well, some people do live forever. Yeah, <laughs> good on him. Good on him. Mm. Maybe he could reprise his classic role of Denny Crane. Mm. Before he, were you a big Boston Legal fan? I saw it when it, my my brother I think watched it a lot, and yeah. I sort of caught caught it. It's yeah. it's on Disney Plus I saw, but it's um in New Zealand anyway. That I 
Yeah, it was one of those shows where it was on after something I watched, and so I would quite often yeah. see up until the first air break. Um, and yeah, I, yeah. I always thought it looked quite funny, but I never. It was always maybe just a. It was maybe a bit too adult for me at that age. It was. It was very a very horny show, and it's horny with like old people. It's yeah. like William Shatner and James Spader, Candace Bergman. Is that her name? Oh yeah, yeah. I love like, Candace Bergman. Like like all these, you know, and that's fine. I'm not criticizing it. It's just like what a strange move for like a, uh, you know, a Hollywood produced TV show or whatever to like be like, yeah, we'll make it real sexy and all the characters are above fifty. <laughs> it's it's not typical of of the. Um, <laughs> I don't know, have a problem the, with that, AJ. I don't either. I'm saying no, no. I'm, I think it's cool. Yeah. I think it's great. <laughs> I th- old people can uh, can fuck. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Just don't tell me about it. Um, yeah, no. I, one joke I remember from Boston Legal was every episode would end with James Spader and William Shatner smoking cigars on the on their like office balcony, mm, yeah, yeah. and and one episode ended with them sort of like each blowing a puff of smoke into the into the sky, and as the camera like follows it up, the credits the like sort of fade on screen, and then the credits start coughing because they're in the smoke, <laughs> and I remember just thinking that's a weird joke to be in like a. A show about old people fucking yeah <laughs> basically was that yeah. yeah so two years later we got star trek 3 the search for spock directed by leonard nimoy himself what does mm. this have on rotten tomatoes well so the rule is that every even numbered one is a good one yeah yeah so i'm gonna but i didn't think this was too bad i'm gonna guess this has higher than the motion picture mm-hmm. i'm gonna guess maybe like 65 percent 78 percent that's not even a bad rating. What yeah. are people talking about? Yeah. What's this one about? Who do oh, I lend any more direct this one? Okay, so the Klingons are mad uh because they believe that the the uh what is it? It's like the the use of the Genesis machine mm. device is something that they're like entitled to or whatever. Um, and they also find out that there's like readings coming back from um, like signs of life coming from the Genesis planet. Um, and uh, Kirk can't go at first and the, the Enterprise can't go at first. So um, Sevik and Captain Kirk's son, who are on a separate ship, go down to this planet where they find a little baby Spock who is rapidly growing and they need to like get him to the cling uh, no, to the vulcan planet in time vulcan uh so that they can basically like end the aging process before he gets too old i think that's the plot of the movie yeah um and kirk ends up back there and and the villain is a klingon played by christopher lloyd uh and i did not have subtitles for these either uh and there's a lot of klingon in them so i learnt klingon richard surprise mm. i learnt klingon for this episode give us a little bit but what they said didn't end up even being relevant. So I can understand. I can't speak it. Just, <laughs> I'm still figuring that out. I, the, the, like, I remember... I think, oh, Kirk's son dies, gets killed by the Klingons. Yeah. I remember maybe this was a... Um, I can't remember where I learned this, but like that the, the most like offensive thing you can say in Klingon, it roughly translates to like, your mother has a smooth forehead or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well... Do you know about this? This is what I learned uh, talking to a um, friend of the podcast and Scooby-Doo guest, Andrew Todd, who mm. when f- finding out we're doing Star Trek for film franchise fortnights, became the most interested in either of us he's ever been. I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> Andrew, if you're listening, that was said with love. And if you're not listening, no, it wasn't. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he told me that the 
Klingon forehead bumps mm. was invented for the movies. And oh, in really? the original series, they just look like people. The heck? Isn't that fucked up? And he said that, and I was like, that's crazy. Do they explain it? Because they only appear in, I think, maybe a few episodes of the original series, maybe. Hmm. I, I could, I'm probably wrong on that because Klingon is a word I know and I've never seen Star Trek before now. So maybe they're in plenty of episodes. Um, but and, and I said, do they explain it away in, in the canon? Because that feels like a much bigger deal than just Chekhov not being present for the yeah. first meeting with Khan and apparently there's one episode where um they of the next generation where they ask Worf about it and he says uh it was an embarrassing time for Klingon history and we don't talk about it with outsiders which is pretty fucking brilliant um and I really like that a lot <laughs> and the- hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Apparently there's like another... There's another explanation which wasn't as good that's in like a discovery episode or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that, that um I'm just, just sort of doing a quick cursory Google, but yeah, that like they look different in Discovery and in um Strange. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. It's pretty full on. Pretty crazy thing to not have been part of the original. Yeah, that's lineup. like oh fuck, I just shut my google dot um the, the um yeah i mean the other is such an iconic like mm. wow mm. yeah and uh you know andrew todd and any other uh star trek fans who are listening i know i've got things wrong you don't need to point it out to me he doesn't he's so confident what you need to do is directly message him on every platform every social media platform you can because he might not see it otherwise and let him know what he's got wrong yeah you're referring to me, don't, there, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't message me though. <laughs> I did. It's media at gmail dot com for no, all your no, complaints, no. which <laughs> uh, which you know AJ uses for a lot of things. Hmm. So you'll Do be I? you'll be interfering with his data. I mainly use it to swipe away the like bucket loads of spam we get sent every day now. It's so annoying. I don't want to review your your straight to streaming movie. Don't email me that. I'm not going to do it. We're not going to this 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 epi- this podcast is not going to suddenly do an episode on some like low budget movie no one's heard of. With David Spade. It'll be is too doing obvious. First, uh, yeah, we got role. David Spade's first dramatic uh, so, role. Yes, yeah, so, so as I mentioned, Leonard Nimoy became excited about playing Spock again after watching Wrath of Khan and then Paramount asked him if he wanted to come back for a third film and he said, "You're damned right. I want to direct that picture." And this is actually his wow. directorial debut. I thought it might have been one of those things. It's like, well, you know, you're already a director, so mm. yada yada. Mm. But interesting, yeah. Uh, Ronald Reagan screened the film when he was on Ronald week- Reagan when <laughs> the, the actor? actor when he was on a well, yeah great because Christopher Lloyd's in the film Christopher well. Lloyd <laughs> uh, Christopher Lloyd the actor well yeah this was a year before back to the future as well so isn't that crazy not even that much before like because i often reflect on christopher lloyd and think like 
he's not actually in that much. Like, he was such a presence in my childhood, but it was really only because of Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I feel like... And the Hey Arnold movie. Well, I hadn't seen that. Wow. But anyway, (laughs) this is is another role for Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, chuck this in your childhood. (laughs) But yeah, no, he had a weekend away from the White House and screened the movie for for some of his friends. And uh, his review of the film was... This is Ronald Reagan's review. Uh, it wasn't too good. Wow. More like Ronton Gay and Martos. Ronald Tomatoes. Right. Rotten Reagan. Nice. Nice try. Uh, so, one interesting thing, because there, there's a lot of, uh, you see a lot of, like, Christian allegories and religious themes in science fiction work like this. And, I, like, I don't know if I ever thought that like uh star trek necessarily had a lot of like christian overtones but i think like this film sort of most clearly does with the idea of like the resurrection of spock and everything like that mm. and this is the one that there's, there's a lot of discussion online and there was at the time as well about you know this being sort of like overtly inspired by christianity is this, is this leonard nimoy declaring he is the second coming of christ you know, because he directed the film where his character is the Jesus allegory. Mm. Um, though that being said, not in it very much. You know, like it's, it's yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, it's uh, obviously he's a child for a lot of it of different ages. So you see a bunch of different actors that vaguely resemble Le- Leonard Nimoy <laughs> at different points. You don't you don't really see him till v- the very end. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I thought thought that was interesting. I think this movie is. I didn't think this was very great. Uh, but it was fine enough to be somewhat entertaining. And again, I'm starting to become a real sucker for that, like very specific look of special effect. And the mm. end of this film ends with um, the Genesis planet. It's basically like, yes, it brought it back to life, but it aged rapidly. And now the planet is falling apart. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I, there's a, the, the climactic fight scene between Shatner and Christopher Lloyd uh, happens as the planet's, falling apart and i was like this is fun this looks great this looks awesome it's like volcanic eruptions everywhere it was cool yeah the um i also i i got pretty hyped at the like reveal of leonard nimoy spock mm-hmm. at the end of the film when he's like yeah. cloaked and he's walking away and mm-hmm. they're like hold up and he turns around and like reveals and i'm like this would have been like a stand up and cheer moment in the cinema mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah totally yeah yeah I, I, he starts to walk off and they're like hey kid and he turns around and he throws the cloak. And he goes, catch it. thanks. <laughs> so next up, another only another two years later, once again directed by Leonard Nimoy, we got Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Mm. And what does what this one have more on tomatoes, do you think? Uh, let's go 91. 82%. 82. I mean 82. So what is now, Star Trek for The Voyage Home about? This is a lot of people are like, isn't there one about whales? This yeah, is the yeah. one. <laughs> this is going to be a very interesting one to talk about. Okay, so because of the events of the search for Spock in which the Enterprise team basically had to commit treason and like intergalactic treason and steal the Enterprise uh, back, um, which got blown up in the last one, Mm-hmm. Um, they they hijack or they they take the now defeated Vulcan sorry Klingon ship to drive that back to Earth to get Spock home, and uh, knowing that they are awaiting sort of like a trial where it'll be determined whether or not um, Admiral Kirk and his team uh, 
can be you know if they're i don't know what happens in the future when you commit a crime i don't think they're very they don't seem very death penalty kind of society but (laughs) who knows uh but before they get there we find out that yet another heavenly body is looming (laughs) above earth um and uh this time it's a drone and it is beaming a signal down to earth that is causing signs and wonders plagues in various places across the planet uh the the ocean's going all crazy everything's it it looks like bloody 2023 but it's only 1987 uh no no sorry it's it's 19 what's what's the year 23 because star trek's in the future right yeah yeah, what the 24th century but so they take a sample from the sound that's being emitted and they find out that it is the call of the humpback whale. Uh, but only one problem, Richard, and you won't be expecting this with your tiny little 2023 brain. But Where, where whales are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I see a whale every day. They're, they're, they're actually considered a pest in today's yeah. <laughs> The why the humpback whale has been extinct since the early 21st century and so they're like all right we have to go back in time and kidnap a whale uh and so they fly around the sun at warp speed which idiot makes you go back in time don't you know that (laughs) obviously uh and they head to earth in 1987 where they hilariously bumble about confusing all the modern day people with their 23rd century uh ideas um eventually finding that um a sort of a water park in uh san francisco where they are exploring has two whales one of them's pregnant um and they are being bred in captivity but are about to be released to the wild where they will surely become the prey of whalers which is a very big threat they make friends with friends with this marine biologist named jillian which is my mother's name and this movie is in her four favorites on letterboxd uh and they they're like all right let's do it they work it out each of each of the characters they pair up with each other. It's very TV show. It's very mm. episodic because they all have their little job to do. Um, they manage to get the whales beamed aboard as well as Jillian, who's just like, by the way, I'm completely alone. I will happily go to the future. Very uh, And yeah, and they, uh, yeah, they save the day with the, this whale song. And now the whales can swim in the future ocean where they're not in danger of whaling. They go back to Earth where the, all of their crimes has have been pardoned because of the work they did to save the planet, except for uh, one of them, which and it only applies to Captain to Admiral Kirk, and it means that he is stripped of his title as admirable admiral, uh, and <laughs> that must was one title, to admirable am- admiral, <laughs> and must return to the lowly second class title of captain, where he will pilot the Enterprise for years and years to come much to the chagrin of the klingon ambassador who's like which he fucking killed a bunch of klingons we should kill him <laughs> yeah so obviously uh william shatner was unwilling to return for this film so obviously uh yeah there was eight, eight months was spent uh, by Leonard Nimoy and um, Harve Bennett, who I mentioned earlier, where they were working on a prequel concept about the characters at Starfleet Academy, uh, which would have had um, like lesser-known actors and yada yada. But then eventually, um, L- Nimoy and Shatner both 
received pay rises to appear in the film but because of mm-hmm. the rising salaries of how expensive this cast was getting and they're not going to be able to put them in everything the paramount decided to create a new tv series star trek the next generation with less expensive lesser known actors which debuted the year after this came out so this is the last so the next two films came out concurrently with the next generation tv series interestingly yeah right right I so this is a movie that I had seen on my parents TV before because mm. I remember seeing the Star Trek guys wandering around what looks more or less like modern day San Francisco mm. uh, and thinking this looks like it sucks this looks so <laughs> bad i bet this fucking sucks later found out yeah it's the whale one and i was like okay this sounds so bad uh and if you t- now that i know the whole story i'm like yeah that sounds like it sucks <laughs> that sounds so bad uh and i think this is my second favorite one this one I, fucking like, rocks this is great once yeah once <laughs> you let go of of that reservation of what a star trek movie should be something i only have three other examples yeah, of yeah, yeah. and they're all very different i was like fuck it i'll enjoy this i'll have a good time with this it's the first time like a, that comedy has been really worked into yeah, like, the, the, the thing, movies like, there's moments of and you know uh kirk's always ready with a quip or something like that like there's there's moments of levity and comedy in these but this is like this is a comedy this is a very yeah. funny movie i i pulled up our cop popture on letterboxd and like you know sorting by films we've seen by genre uh here's just a handful of comedies that this is funnier than um <laughs> the kissing booth mm-hmm. bigger fatter liar mm-hmm. daddy's home mm-hmm. this is 40 um mm-hmm. little fuckers yeah sure the hangover Absolutely. part three yeah 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 this is funny there's a great bit in it where they're trying to hide you know where that they're from the future and uh the jillian character is like what's going on and they're like we can't really tell you and then she's like all right i'll take you out for dinner and you can tell me do you like italian and kirk goes yes and spock goes no and kirk goes yes and spock goes no and he goes yes and he does too (laughs) it was just it's a really funny exchange there's this bit on the bus where they where he does the click on uh the the vulcan sleeper hold on a on a punk that's playing music too loud and the whole bus claps for him like it's a a 4chan green text thread from 2007 <laughs> um, like it's it's so genuinely funny and so like rich with like fish out of water tropes yeah. and i was like god damn it this movie i didn't think it was gonna get me because when we found out we were doing the star trek franchise i had this image flash into my mind of when my parents were watching this one probably 15 16 years ago in my lounge and just thinking it looked so dumb and boring and it totally won me over i was so enraptured by it i just thought it was so good and so fun and so so satisfying i like it more than wrath of khan i think the motion picture i think i like it for strange reasons to do with my own brain yeah, right. so that's still my favorite one but this is my second favorite yes one. it was interesting because i because of my parents relationship with this film i had the opposite thing where when we rolled star trek i was like oh i can't wait to watch the time travel <laughs> one because i remember they had told me about like oh there's this star trek movie where they go back in time to modern day i think maybe because there's the futurama episode where they go back to um fry's grandfather and mm 
uh, th- that's sort of lifted in certain ways from this and mm. i think maybe that had been on they were like oh this is a reference to star trek and tommy and they had told me oh it's so funny and there's the famous scene with the um where Chekhov is asking for nuclear uh, nuclear vessels yeah and right. i've seen that scene before i can't remember what, in what context i think it might have been a scene on we had the the dvd board game seen it and i have a vague memory that it was in we've, that. we've talked about seen it before yeah. <laughs> um yeah. th- there's a, a famous behind the scenes um thing which actually isn't true that like the uh the the extras in that uh wessels scene were all didn't know they were being filmed but they um you know it was filmed with hidden cameras but the extras were all paid extras although the the one extra who said i don't know if i know the answer to that i think it's across the bay in alameda she said she she her car was impounded because she missed the warnings to move it for filming so she approached the assistant director about appearing with other extras hoping to be paid enough to get her car out of impoundment and she'd got told to act naturally and her interpretation of that was to give that answer and so she had to be put in the to the screen actors guild for her lines to be kept in the film ah great what a cool story (laughs) that's so good but the the it's interesting as well you mentioned the punk on the bus uh Mm. and do you know the strange connection this has to another franchise we've covered I do not, but I'm so excited for you to tell me. <laughs> so the that that same actor plays I'm putting in quotation marks, the same character in Ooh. another film we've covered. Would you care to venture a guess as to what film it could Before be? Before or after Star Trek? Uh after this. How much after it? Uh th- th- t- take a stab as to what sort of thing you would think and I can tell you the answer. Is he in like Back to the Future or something like that? No. Another 80s thing? No. I don't know. What would it, what that character in reappears in Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. What does that mean? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the the same... I think he's the guy that says... Um, does it say, like, do a flip or something? Like, when he's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, then he looks yeah, down yeah, and yeah. there's like, way to go, Spidey! Uh, yeah, that guy, and he's holding a, a boombox, and it's the same actor, and it's a reference to The Voyage Home. Why is it a reference? Why is Spider-Man Homecoming referencing The Voyage Home? Well, I mean, maybe it's a reference to, you know, uh, Spider-Man coming back to Marvel Studios. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, Voyage Homecoming, I yeah. see. Now, yeah. Uh, but yeah, isn't it just, just like a random thing to be like, yeah, yeah, it's the same guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Star Trek exists in Disney's Marvel Universe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, th- th- this definitely was one of my favorites. I, I, I think I like I, I probably do in in a very normy kind of way. I think Wrath of Khan was my favorite, although one of those like, ah, if 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 you demanded that I put one on right now, I'd probably choose to watch this again because mm. the most fun. Nice. Although, yeah, although yeah. due to your wax, uh, waxing lyrical about um the first film i maybe would choose to watch it again oh i'm having an effect on you yeah. oh that's sexy isn't it yeah but no the, yeah i mean the, the, this film for all these years <laughs> you're finally listening to what i'm saying <laughs> the film is uh was you know a, a decent success at the box office and it even ended the eight week reign of one crocodile dundee at the box office 
Yes! Yes! <laughs> we got him! A lot of they feel like movies from yeah. entirely different eras to me. Mm. Crocodile Dundee and Star Trek Four. Hey, which are you and, and with me and you? Which are you? Which is Kirk? Which is Kirk and which is Spock? What do we reckon? I don't think either of us fit it perfectly. Yeah. But well, I think both of us could be Kirk. But who is more? I, I think I think both of us could be Kirk. But I think I'm probably more. You Spock. reckon you're more Spock? What do you okay. think you're more? I'm Spock? more. No, I reckon I'm more uh, Bones. Bones. Yeah, Bones, the racist doctor. <laughs> is he racist? Well, it's just like the amount of times, um, you know, when it comes oh, up, yeah, it's like, you... as you are so fond of pointing out, Doctor, I am not human, and it's like yeah, he's or... always just making like offhand you remarks about like you green-blooded <laughs> piece of shit, um, and it's just weird that it's like, oh, their Doctor is racist. The, the funny thing to me is that like these movies, um, they. I know they they there was like a cultural joke as they were coming out about like how old they were starting to look mm. and yeah as we said and towards the the sixth film um uh, uh Shatner is starting to look a bit old Leonard Nimoy already looking quite old in these yeah films. just a, he's got Bone, a very like withered face and like uh, yeah yeah very yeah yeah Bones McCoy looks old as shit in the motion picture like yeah. it's all like they're coming back it's 20 10 20 years later uh the han- the handsome the handsome William Shatner uh as Captain Kirk and his <laughs> very old man best friend uh mccoy <laughs> yeah he oh, also um mccoy i think was the first one to pass away out of the um out of the cast so yeah deforest mm. kelly what a name you couldn't call someone deforest these days i think it would be looked down upon <laughs> yeah, the other bloody uh ra- rainforest you couldn't uh <sighs> they, actually Wait, what interestingly did, the, what um, did you say I said I with the with said. the rainforest, you know. Um, uh, I first said with the random frosty kid, and I was like, "What are you talking about? What man? are you talking about?" <laughs> the um, the the rainforest was actually one of the because the, the the talk of like, oh, we need something that um, they, a problem that they need to go back in time to solve, which won't be, you know, like th- th- something that they need from back in time. And, and there was talk of, oh, that it should involve the rainforest. But then I guess they decided they wanted to set it more urban. And um, D- Deforest Kelly was like, eh, let's not go there. <laughs> but I don't the, want to draw attention to it. They, they chose whales because of, um, you know, they were already endangered and they wanted to, you know, um, it's advocate so for that. And then also, but then that the large size of them is its own comedic problem to solve as well. Yeah. It's so funny that this movie's about whales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Are you ready to move on to the next film? I am. That is called Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, which... Ah, oh, it must be the final one then. Yeah, but also if we're talking about titles, that I know that you you hate the style of title where it's like any of these mm. probably could have been called The Final Frontier because that's just a saying in star trek let's how about this um we we stop recording every hour to save everything it's seamless in the edit we've got we're nearly at the end of this record let's talk about titles now as a way to end off the second hour (laughs) okay 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 so here's the thing with the titles first of all shocked to find out they all have numbers in the title did not realize that uh going into these like literally when star trek 2 the wrath of khan appeared on screen i was like oh they called it 
they gave it a number in the actual movie even though it's not called that on like letterboxd or anything Mm. it is they're all just called that um what i think is funny about these is that like even and if we include the final frontier which i don't like because you could call any of them this but also it kind of does have its own reason like wakanda forever is no more deserving of being called that than the first black panther Mm. whereas this one whereas the final frontier it's like it does deal with finality um so so I'll, i'll allow that but they're all these like victorian like not victorian but like shakespearean kind of titles you know whether i like them or not like the search of the search for spock is a little rudimentary Mm. but you know the voyage home the wrath of khan even even the motion picture has this like operatic quality it's very shakespearean (laughs) very shakespearean uh and then the final one is called the undiscovered country which is actually a shakespearean Shakespearean. i didn't know that and when you're looking at these just written down it's so funny because it's like all these these big grandiose names and then this one which looks like the title you'd give like an episode of moomin you know like (laughs) this one's called the undiscovered country where the the moomins discover i've been watching a lot of moomin uh, (laughs) (laughs) discover an undiscovered country i didn't know that it was a a, a, like a hamlet reference yeah it's it's part of the to be or not to be soliloquy yeah exactly and and knowing that wrath of khan was almost called it you could probably call the final frontier the undiscovered country because yeah, it's, it's referring to death it's referring to like death. The, the, um you know the, the, the undiscovered future yeah, the afterlife yeah and i think that they in order to make this seem more grandiose and more epic and less like it's like the just an episode the title of an episode of a tv show they needed to take a page out of justin timberlake's book and drop the the i think star trek undiscovered country would be a far as a far more like Mm. enigmatic kind of way to to phrase that if you put the the there it feels like it's like the june and the last film they discover a new country which with indiana jones maybe that would be exciting with something where it's like you're fucking you made a new planet what (laughs) what the fuck do you care if you find an undiscovered country what the hell does that mean i just thought that was so funny but that's my rant about the the titles what do you what do you think of the title star trek it's cool it's very like it does what it needs to do it doesn't need to be Mm. anything more than it is do you know about like uh i i actually think it's in an upcoming film uh Mm. where someone essentially delivers the um (laughs) the what are we some kind of (laughs) star star trekers because apparently i I think some kind of is like a star trek in joke but yeah someone says like Mm. so let me get this straight you guys are all just on some kind of star trek The real test of tact is if if the characters react to that in a meta way or not. Mm. I think that's the that's the that's the that's the trick of it. Yeah, so that is in um, uh, that's in first contact. So we do have that to look forward to. Awesome. Oh uh, yeah, so Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier. This came out in nineteen eighty nine and was directed by one William Shatner. And wow. What do you think I was on Rotten Tomatoes? <laughs> I reckon this is going to be the lowest one. I reckon we're talking low 40s. Maybe high 40s, but I'm going to stake my claim at low 40s. Uh, yes, yeah, so it is the lowest. Uh, it has 22%. <laughs> That's so bad. God, William Shatner. Do, I reckon in William Shatner's life, 
he's when he was steering out Jeff Bezos's space station at Earth and was like felt you know overcome by the majesty of it and also so uh, existentially terrified at how insignificant he is. Yeah. I reckon he was looking out there and he said, "The only other time I felt like this." is when I directed the worst Star Trek movie right after Leonard Nimoy directed the best Star Trek movie. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, it's so very obviously directed by him. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I don't know how to explain it more than that, but compared to Leonard Nimoy, I just think Leonard Nimoy is such a better director, such mm. a more subtle... Well, you yeah, made um, Three Men and a Baby. A, 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 pillar of cinema like and like what did shatner go on to direct anything else after this? Uh, i'm just looking at that he made a film called groom lake um okay. also called the visitor which doesn't look very good um <laughs> he directed a documentary called the captains which is about like the him interviewing the people who played the captains in each of the um right so he know. hasn't moved out of the box as much as as yeah, Nimoy, but yeah the um he, he directed a bunch of um tv shows and and stage plays and stuff which is why he right. he did this but yeah he um if, what are you talking about there there so i i was going to mention it later on but there's the futurama episode where no fan has gone before which mm-hmm. has like almost all of the original cast returning for it you, you know the episode i'm talking about yeah yeah and so it's I watched it last night. It's fucking hilarious, especially like having seen some Star Trek movies now. Let's do this. Screw doing a Barbie film franchise follow-ups. I'll watch it tonight. We'll do this as as last last month's (laughs) film franchise follow-ups. Yeah, I mean, well, I won't go into the full plot for doing that. But the the (laughs) they're talking about Leonard Nimoy says when I directed star trek 4 i got such a great performance out of bill because i respected him so much and then william shadner says yeah when i directed star trek 5 i got such a great performance out of myself because i respect myself so much (laughs) (laughs) it's fun it's good fun so this one uh starts with the the guys just camping it's Mm. it's leonard nemo spock bones and uh, uh, Kirk just camping out in the woods. Kirk is free climbing a mountain, mm. which is something I reckon is just, you just don't, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. It's just insanely dangerous, no matter what generation you're from. Uh, and he, guess what? He falls because mm. Spock is distracting him because he flies up on his little jetty boots. Which are hilarious. And then he catches him, and it's like, well, I guess he's fine then. Um, but anyway, they're called, they're, they're on like paid leave or something. Yeah. And then they're called back to the ship because there's a, he's not Klingon, is he? He's, he's Vulcan. He's, he's Spock's long lost half brother has returned from the grave to reveal that he is uh, commandeering. Is he commandeering the Enterprise or is he commandeering. He's doing something mm. because he wants to go to this uh, far off planet that he believes on which he believes God lives, mm. um, and they're they're beamed aboard. And no, sorry, they they go onto their ship and are um, taken as prisoners. I think, and uh, then um, all of the all of the main characters are slowly won over to this bad dude's the bad guy's side what's his name it's like cybot or something uh, cybok cybok 
um he is he manages to convince like it's almost like he's brainwashing them all and everyone's like what the hell's going on this is this mm. is bad and then Everyone he except kirk then he brainwashes um bones and spock and tries to brainwash kirk by um telling him all about like like he basically shows them makes them relive a painful experience and then like holds them and allows them to like reach some kind of catharsis from and closure from here and it convinces everyone that he's he's all good then and he's talking to kirk about and kirk is like i i know what my weaknesses are and i need them i don't want you to take them away from me and by this Mm. point in the film i was like all right, this is pretty good again. <laughs> this is this is coming back round. That's a great line. It's it shows to me that Shatner understands Captain Kirk on a very interesting level. Yeah. Um and what was interesting though is that he's like, too bad, we're already at the planet, let's go find God. And he's like, All right. And like the rest <laughs> of the movie, no one gets unbrainwashed. It's just kind of like Cybok was kind of right. Like he was mm. when you're brainwashed, you're basically being told like there is you know this is how you should you should trust me and they're like i guess the movie says yeah you should have trusted him um so they go down and they they see this giant face in the in these caves and who claims to be god uh but when god seems very interested in um hitching a ride back on on the enterprise they're like what does god need with a starship and he gets very angry at all these questions revealing himself not to be god but to be some guy who's been stuck there for however long uh and that's the movie they escape they get away they blow up they blow up god and cyborg i think gets killed in the fray as well Mm. and they head on back home yeah Uh, it is interesting like you said there's like some real good shit on this yeah yeah that, meeting like, god like thing, is it's very like give me a star trek about meeting god love it yeah which i mean i, I didn't read the full w- massive wikipedia page that there is but yeah i mentioned that early on one of the ideas for the first film was this script called the god thing mm. so i imagine that you know involved god mm, mm. um but yeah, i also like one of my favorite lines in the franchise so far when um they when he falls off the rock cliff mm. face uh el, el capitan mm. and he uh spock saves him and then when they're sitting around the campfire he's like that they, they say you know when you, you almost fucking died and he's like no i knew i wouldn't die and they're like well how and he's like because you guys were there and i've i've always known somehow that i'm gonna die alone and i was like jesus that is and it's, but it's sets, also like it sets up something where i was like are they gonna kill captain kirk in this one and he's gonna die alone mm. and then but it pays off at the end when he he's like i thought i was gonna die and they're like well you're not alone like we're still with you it's good stuff mm. it's good stuff and like my analysis of this film is is just like the 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 ego on shatner i think is both what makes it good and what is its ultimate downfall because mm. it has the it has the like wherewithal to start in a very odd place like to start with them camping and stuff it's very strange mm. uh, and at first i didn't like it and but then when it started to get bigger and they were going into space and shit i was like this story should have been on like their camping trip like they should have encountered uh cyborg in the mm. the in the national yellowstone in national, Park. <laughs> national yeah. park yeah um and god should exist there 
Like, it shouldn't have gone to space. Because I think that the there is something very attractive to me about, like, it's the final frontier, and what is that? It's actually knowing each other. Because I think like if this movie the final frontier yeah if this movie focused far more on like the characters learning to understand each other on a deeper level which it plays with especially between um bones and spock who um ends they end up singing row 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 your boat and what is a very choreographed theater kid way of singing that song which yeah they sing it in in the round yeah and it's it's very like you guys are too much of an actor to, to know that normal people probably wouldn't <laughs> yeah that like no matter what a tough guy you play on television yeah 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 you're still an actor yeah um and i just think like if it had been that just smaller just more intimate mm. and the same stuff could have happened but smaller and intimate because there's also this other storyline about like the Klingons are still chasing them for the events of the previous films oh my god every time a Klingon came on screen I just fell asleep so boring I I wept for there were no more uh things on the tv that I wanted to watch (laughs) left to conquer yeah um (laughs) and so like all that it just gets hampered down by all that shit and it's like you you have such a good movie hidden inside this mm. movie just do that one you know but i feel like william shatner's probably like no i've got to like make my mark and it's like yeah but this is this is the movie everyone expects william shatner to direct so why not mm. do something people wouldn't expect you to direct i guess yeah so so when the the way that he came on to directing this one is that like during the original series uh shatner and nimoy's lawyers drafted uh what shatner refers to as a favored nations clause so that whatever one of them got the other so a pay rise or mm-hmm. you know creative control or anything the other one would also get and um yeah shatner had directed plays and tv episodes as i mentioned and when he signed on after the pay dispute and everything for the last film he was promised he'd be able to direct this one wow there you go as as fairness mm. but yeah i mean it's it's producers the producers said that this almost killed the franchise this film uh overwhelmingly negative response uh interestingly that's the pre-production was cut into because of uh the 1988 writers guild of america strike (laughs) we should do an episode on like the history of of writer strikes you know and look at what what how it's affected the world so far yeah, this one was uh, among the disputes were residuals from syndicated reruns of hour-long shows, mm. which is essentially what Netflix people are like. The Netflix version of that is like the big sticking point for the current strike. Well, the 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 last time that they were both on strike together, both guilds was uh, which what is what created residuals, mm, right? Because ah. syndication became a thing, so. Mm. Um, and now the, it's the fact that, well, you know, you've got this new medium and you're not, residuals don't exist anymore like that because you're not telling us how many people are watching them. Mm. Yeah. Shanna came up with this, or sort of developed the initial storyline. The idea being that Cyborg would search for God, but instead find the devil. Nice. And um, the idea was based on televangelism. <laughs> well i mean there is that like god appearing as a big screen it looks it looks kind of hacky but i think i think visually it doesn't look very good but the idea of like this burning bush moses moment moses mm. moment well, it's, it's very um, um it's very um 
man behind the curtain was yeah, it was, yeah, was yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. I thought it looked pretty stupid, and that probably counts against its its uh, Ron Tomato score. But also, there's a bit where they need to distract some guards, so they get um, Ohura to do like a sexy dance. Mm. and that was just like what is this <laughs> what is this movie <laughs> the whales yeah. i could handle this feels like it's betraying a lot <laughs> michelle more. nichols being sexy <laughs> <Not for> me. <laughs> give me the whales god damn it <laughs> <laughs> the, the, this was uh one of the ones that gene roddenberry hated as well uh roddenberry defrost kelly and leonard nimoy all objected to the idea that spock and mccoy would betray kirk right well they don't really betray him though yeah they um i think it was dialed back in later script revisions but um yeah i mean i i i like seeing the drama between the character you don't often see them mad at each other i thought that was cool but the i liked talking about like what i thought of this film was that like yeah the good stuff in this was some of the best stuff yeah totally. and but then overall like i didn't i didn't hate it nearly as much as i think the maybe the fan base does although i i know that there's from what i understand a couple of the next generation movies are like truly god awful <laughs> god and so yeah i mean it's one of those things that just by virtue of like everything else being better it's the worst one but it's not like i didn't hate watching it i wasn't like hmm super bored at any at any point i mean uh, maybe i was bored a little bit <laughs> a little bit here and there but yeah there was it's funny that there's like enough things just scattered throughout that are able to like remember um this is a weird thing to reference but like in uh friday the 13th part five how there was like the the producers had said like you have to deliver a kill or scare like every however many minutes mm. that it's like it's it's like this also the fifth film in the franchise where there's like it's like you have to deliver a great (laughs) bit of dialogue Mm. or just like a little morsel of something incredible Mm. every six to eight minutes and it's like yeah there there is (laughs) like Mm. it's just dotted throughout the film are these like little great moments not enough to make because it's not like they're not great sequences or like you know or scenes or anything like that they're great lines of dialogue or very brief scenes mm. so it, it's not fitting into that a good film is you know three great scenes and no bad ones yeah, yeah. because none, none of them are like substantial enough to to yeah. hold up the film and like when this film's at its worst it's what i assumed i how i felt i would feel or how i thought i would feel about every star trek movie yeah, like very like, i just don't really care very plodding i don't really care very boring and to this franchise's credit so far even this one not that bad i thought so mm. yeah 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 and that in that future army episode the 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 plot kicks off because they're at the at the video store which is very funny that they're at a dvd rental store and the year you know three thousand and two or whatever it is at that point Mm. and um he (laughs) that's the quote i really like where they're talking about like all right we've got time to watch six movies and fry says oh do you know what six movies average out to be really good the first six star trek movies (laughs) that that's true i agree i agree yeah and, but yeah it, it, it is like because i'd heard that adage that uh every even numbered one was good and it's it's not as clear as i was sort of led to believe i would mm. i would say personally you know that uh two four and six are my favorites but three's not bad one's not bad like mm. it's not 
well below and you know the, the ron tomatoes scores are, are the third one's closer to, to the rest of them but mm. yeah it's it's not as wildly varied as i think i was led to believe although i know that coming up well yeah it is it, it does vary a bit more does this pattern translate to uh the next generation films or the the calvin timeline because from what i understand of the calvin timeline it's good bad good so which would mean that's the opposite of like so that's uh 11 which is an odd number is a good one so mm. it doesn't reset does the pattern reset when each generation starts which would mean that the next star trek movie we watch which is will be the first next generation one yeah. that will be good the sequel will be bad the next one will be good and the next one will be, be bad yes yeah, so, so the, the next four uh generations first contact insurrection and nemesis generations from, is the next one yeah i thought generations get this i thought it was the last one the like one before 2009 that's oh. so I, I completely missed it. i i mean i'll talk about this next week. i so distinctly remember seeing the trailer for nemesis mm. in the cinema mm. um and well, which came into this i must have been nine but um from what I understand, Generations, it's all right. First Contact might be the best Star Trek film. Uh, Insurrection and Nemesis are hot garbage. Okay, interesting. That's interesting. my understanding. It might not be true. That might not actually be what anything, but blah, blah, blah. Um, I think, yeah, I just... think this, this, this adage about every odd-numbered one is bad. I think it needs to be more adapted. And really what the... What the, the piece of information that needs to get conveyed is that this is not a franchise of diminishing returns. Like, this is not mm. a franchise where by the time you get to the sixth one, you're just like, Jesus Christ, where are we now? It's like, yeah. they they don't they don't really jump the shark. They just have kind of off days every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Off days that cost, you know, several million dollars to produce. Yeah, so... Anything else you wanted to say about the final frontier? No, let's let's move on past the final frontier. And what's Into past the final the, frontier? A new country no one's discovered yet. <laughs> no one's discovered this country before. <laughs> so yeah, Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country came out in 1991, directed again by Nicholas Meyer, who did Wrath of Khan. And what does it have on Rotten Tomatoes? Let's go 82. Dead on, 82. Yes! I did it, everybody! The final <laughs> frontier! <laughs> the undiscovered country, if you Yeah, the, the undiscovered country. For me, specifically guessing the Rotten Tomato scores of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> what is this one about? All right, so this one is about the, like, Kling- one of the Klingon's moons is, like, dying or something Praxis, yeah it's it's blowing up and so the klingons are sort of like hey can we work out some kind of refuge situation with star federation um and everyone it's sort of like a hot topic issue it's very <laughs> it's very brexit it's like the opposite of brexit uh and well it's it's the that's the cold war I guess it, yeah. I guess it's just other diplomatic disputes that have happened before. Brexit. That happened closer that, to the time. I don't know why I had to say it's the opposite of something where there's plenty of cases of like immigration, like yeah. fiascos and things. Uh, so sadly, though, our best friend Captain Kirk is like, "Fuck no! I hate those fucking green-blooded 
bastards. You can't mm. fucking trust them. Every single one of them is untrustworthy. There's a character. But spending in this too much time with bones, I think. Yeah, there's a character in this movie who, upon seeing several Klingons, remarks that they all look the same. Which I was sort of like, I got that this was about racism already. You're maybe skirting a little too close to the, to the to the bone with that line. Uh, so. In order to like work things out though, they they have like a friendly dinner with some of the Klingons, uh, where tensions are high and there's one played by Christopher Plummer who's a real thorn in Kirk's side. Mm. Uh and then after after their dinner, they're like, Thank you for such a lovely dinner. I couldn't eat another bite. And they go back <laughs> to <laughs> And they go back to their ship where they are promptly torpedoed by an unknown assailant. Uh, it is assumed that it was the Enterprise, well, though. Comes from the Enterprise. Comes from the Enterprise. Um, Bones and Kirk uh, beam aboard where they uh, witness the sort of main Klingon, Klingon the guy. The Chancellor dies of his wounds um, and they are arrested and put on trial. Meanwhile. Well, it was also important to note that um, when this unknown assailant fires at the Klingon ship it disables gravity and then someone comes on board in spacesuits with gravity boots mm. and kills a bunch of people yeah um and Spock takes control of the Enterprise it's this whole they there's a court case it ends up being that uh the perpetrator is actually the person who's like replaced uh George Dekai's character what's his name Sulu Sulu uh and who's like this Klingon Klingon woman is that Kim Cattrall the the Vulcan woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's so funny. Um, yep, she betrayed them all. God, Kim Cattrall just seems like the kind of person who could not give a shit about Star Trek. Eh? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and it turns out it was her and there was a cloaked Vulcan ship between the Enterprise and the other... Um, sorry, clo- yeah, and, and the, the Klingon ship, uh, which is where the, the missile came from. Um, everyone's name is cleared. Uh, the the Christopher Plummer was in on it as well. Like he wanted to cause upset. Yeah, it was that. eventually. Essentially, it was like anyone who stands to lose from hmm. peace between the Klingons yeah. and yeah. the Federation planets. Yep, yeah. uh, and it ends with them all happy family again. And they're like, "Are you going to retire like you said you would?" And they go, "No." there's they they decide to go on it's the idea is they're going on one last yeah ride yeah um, yeah yeah and a movie that is named after a shakespearean quote of course ends with captain kirk saying second star to the right and straight on till morning an inexplicable peter pan quote uh something that has not acted as like a uh metatextual reference for the entire franchise he just randomly quotes peter pan when it's like end on a Shakespeare to quote you fucking dick. What are what you doing? You I don't know. I don't know. But it's called the undiscovered country. They're quoting Hamlet all through this movie. You're telling me there's not a Shakespeare quote that has the same vibe as second star to the right and straight on till morning. It's so weird. I just thought it was so strange. Yeah, it yeah. was. Um, it was. A, there was a last minute change. Mm-hmm. Um. It was the Maya, the director, was in an optimistic mood on the last day of shooting and said, say this for the last line. Never trust yourself when you're in an optimistic mood. Genuinely, your best <laughs> your best decisions are made dead miserable, I think. Yeah. That's when you make your best decisions. Never make decisions when you're happy. Yeah. So the development of this film, the idea of a prequel came up again 
mm-hmm. um, that they should do. You know, um, start the start. It was called like the Academy Years or something like that, right. which is like oh. But and, the and uh, did like elderly old Leonard Nimoy was like, and I'll reprise my role as Spock. <laughs> <laughs> um. The yeah, the idea that uh, Walter Koenig as well suggested one called in, in Flanders Fields, where the Romulans join the Federation and go to war with the Klingons. The Enterprise crew accepts Spock are forced to retire from not meeting their fitness tests. And when Spock and his new crew are captured by a monstrous worm-like race of aliens, which he described as being things that the monsters and aliens evolved from, the old crew must rescue them. In the end, all of the characters except Bones and Spock die. Oh, it's, okay. <laughs> Including are, his own character. Like, these are bad ideas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was also a suggestion that um, Picard should meet um, the the crew from, but the the next generation crew wouldn't. Uh, it, like it, it was like the, the next generation team, like the the team behind the TV show, refused to like end their show for it. So it's like I don't know why they would need to end the show for Picard to show up. Well, are they, like, Next Generation, is that set, like, a reasonable time? A century after, later, yes. Yeah. Well, there you go. You can't do it. Yeah. So, and like like I mentioned, it's, it's already running concurrently with this. Mm. And so at the end, the final line, you know, when he's like, he gives his space the final frontier, boldly going, we're no man. And he corrects himself and says, we're no man. No one has gone before. Mm. That's... uh picard's voiceover is changed to no one so that's like the changing ah, of the guard because he was... saw he also talks about like um you know that the, the, uh, this is our last ride mm. and then a new it's you know generation will take over <laughs> yeah i thought it was just him giving in to the woke brigade by changing yeah. it to no one glad to hear it's not that you know. Well, yeah, I mean, they'd already given into the work brigade, I guess. I guess the so. next generation. God, you can't say anything in twenty three thirty something. <laughs> but yeah, the the idea from the film, as I mentioned, came around the idea of um, the around the Cold War, and Leonard Nimoy had pitched, you know, what if the wall came down in outer space? Hmm. Nice. The Berlin Wall. Yeah, yeah, and right. And then also Gorkon is the um, the Chancellor that's based on Gorbachev. Ah, of course. Yeah. What did you think of this one? I fucking loved this one. I thought it was oh, great. I, I, really? Like, yeah. I um I love that it's like a murder mystery on mm. Yeah, and, right. and it's one of those things that's like, ah, I just I actually just have such a soft spot for that. I did think it's probably a little obvious that it was Kim Cattrall's character because it's like one of those classic things where it's like man it could be any one of us mm. it, like it could be these characters we've spent at this point like 30 years with, <laughs> or it could be this woman we've never met who's yeah. just part of the crew now apparently it originally was going to be savik that character mm. um kim cattrall turned down the film because she's like i don't want to be the third person to play savik mm. um and they're like no 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 it's a new character we'll rewrite the character um, essentially being the exact same character <laughs> yeah but the i i think it's one of those like it would have been you know, if, if it had been Kirstie Alley the whole way through and then it's like, oh shit, like, you know, that's actually a proper betrayal. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, instead it's just like, oh yeah. Instead okay. of a betrayal, it's a catrall. 
I didn't did figure it. I didn't figure out that she was the one who did it, but I did think Christopher Plummer would be behind it as well. And he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I figured that they'd be working together. But but, but there is that yeah. bit where you it, it is you can't fire a phaser on on the ship because it sets off an alarm. Off, yeah. And to prove this, Catral's character shoots a phaser. And mm. they're like, what's going on? And that's her covering up for other people being killed by a phaser at the same time. Yeah, so, no, so I was like, ah, it's very minority report. <laughs> yeah. The way she's found out is that they're like, they find the two people who's like the spacesuits belonged to mm. being dead. And mm. so they're like, okay, so... They, then they announce to the crew of the Enterprise, like, all right, then referring to the two dead guys, it's like, you guys have to come and give your statements now. And then at which point, whoever thinks that they're dead will come to the sick bay to finish them off. Mm. Um, and then she goes in to do that. And then <laughs> Spock is lying there. On Surprise, the sick bay bitch! Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's no, good I, stuff. I, th- I thought, yeah, all the murder mystery stuff was great. And... Mm. Um, yeah, th- this 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 is one again that um Gene Roddenberry fucking hated. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so, so he had a meeting with the director, which apparently just went you know fucking terribly. And one one big thing was that he hated the villainization of Savick, and then Maya replied like, "I fucking created Savick, not you," because mm. she debuts in Wrath mm. of Khan. And um, so it's like, yeah, I can do whatever the fuck I want with it, but they changed it anyway. And barely, they basically gave her like a new name. It's such a similar yeah. character. And um, yeah, he said she was mine, not Jean's. If he doesn't like what I plan on doing with her, he um, he should give back all the money he's made off of my films. Maybe then I'll care what he has to stay has to say. Oh my um, god, there's such bad blood for like such a like. Yeah hopeful series i think this is what i was saying about him being like a sweet dude i don't necessarily Mm. mean he's like sweet to others i think he's just very innocent and so things like legacy well what was by that point a legacy character betraying others doesn't sit Mm. right with him because it's like no no that changes how you saw them in previous films and stuff it's like (laughs) you know um but yeah they they apparently he would he was very ill health at the time the film was dedicated to him mm. and he would go through the script line by line giving notes on stuff and uh he apparently didn't didn't like the final cut of the film so much so that uh he died within 48 hours of of viewing it oh my god damn how old yeah. he, did he die young or was it or was he pretty old uh gene Roddenberry. Uh, he was 70. Okay, that's not too bad. I wonder what he would think of what his empire hath become. Would he Would he be Oppenheimer? Look upon it? my works, ye mighty, and despair. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so th- there's also... There's um the the whole the the scene with like the trial and everything. I thought that was great, mm. where they're being put on trial on these like Klingons and they're listening to a uh, to everything mm. of these like translators. You don't often um, see that like you know 
and and Marvel, it's like they mention offhandedly that people have universal translators in their ears or something. It's the yeah. most like convenient, contrived thing that we all just have to accept. But yeah, but it's but they're actually like holding these devices to the ears, which is like what you know if you see a press conference, someone promoting their film in France, like mm. that's what they're doing. They're being yeah, yeah. having these things, and um and, and yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. But then yeah, the Klingons are speaking English in the film, mm. um, as we hear it, which is. Yeah, I mean it's it's a nice little bit of hand waving to to get it, yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's the whole scene with they, they go to like a prison and they meet a shapeshifter, which mm. is a I feel I thought was like kind of an interesting thing to bring into the franchise. Mm. And it, it, they shapeshift to the shape of Captain Kirk, and he fights himself. Yeah, I was like, this is this is it, this is the stuff, you know. And, and then, then he's they, like, he kisses himself. Yeah, like he kissed when she was in a different form. Yeah, and then he's like, "Wait a minute, I kissed you," and he's like, "Yeah, it would be a dream," <laughs> which apparently they were very nervous about showing that line in Bloom Shot. Fucking loved it. Yeah, that's great. I think this and in this when they're both looking like Captain Kirk, there's the moment where they're like, "Which one of you's the real one? It's him, you idiot!" And like that mm. is a that is such a trope and parodied scene. And I don't think I've ever seen like a sincere version of it. I've only seen yeah. the like Family Guy joke version where it's like, I know this is referencing something more serious, but it's always like, mm. which one of us? Or actually, I guess Muppets Most Wanted does it as well in a pretty sincere way. Yeah, so. there's the one in Family Guy where it's like, I don't know which one to shoot. And it's like, we haven't spot. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I was thinking of the one where she, Lois shoots one of two Peters and then he's like, how'd you know it was me? And they hug and then Peter's face falls down. And there's a yeah. Robot. Yeah. Yeah. There's, they, they use it a few times at Family Guy. I think We're going to start a Family Guy podcast, everybody. This the Film franchise Four Nights is coming to an end and we're going to start a new podcast we decided today called The Family Guy Guy Family, where we <laughs> get a bunch of other guys and a little family. And I reckon yeah. we, we pick episodes of Family Guy at random and mm. argue ag- for or against its merits as a piece of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> or um, we could do Family Guy Fortnights. Oh, this is getting dangerously developed. <laughs> <laughs> but these ideas are too good. <laughs> these ideas are kind of interesting to me. Phones out. I can't actually hear what you're saying right now. I said there the funniest go. joke, but you're only going to hear it if you listen back. No, my one weakness. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. that I Because I, I, I was actually like, I, I can't remember which one's which. And they're not making it obvious which one's which. And then but, one uh, of them just appara- gets shot and obliterated. And it's like, I <laughs> yeah. don't know that's not Kirk. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm not smart enough to have picked up which one is Kirk and which one isn't. Apparently one of the things is that when they say, like, it's, it's him, the shapeshifter points at, like, wildly the wrong height mm. implying that they're not used to being that size right okay it's that's just the one of that's the quite clues. the imply <laughs> yeah so uh yeah i mean yeah what, what do you think of this one did you like i got it? kind of bored of it i i re- i recognize and acknowledge that it's one of the good ones but yeah. i kind of toned like sort of phased out around this end of the second act maybe yeah, came, came nah, yeah I was so on board with this one. There were there were bits when I got briefly distracted by going on my phone, and I went and I rewound wow. to to see something, which I I don't often do. VLC Chromecast is so fucked. You don't often have the luxury of rewinding something, eh? You gotta. Mm. It's like if I rewind this, it's gonna fuck up in forty minutes. 
You should you should use Plex. I know. <laughs> so depressed about it. I yeah. know. I mean, I think there's probably there's ways that like you can get onto my Plex server. I don't know how it works. Wow, what an, is that an invitation? No. <laughs> so that's Star Trek, the original series of films. Mm. How do you feel? How 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 what what do you make of this endeavor? Uh, this was not as bad and anywhere near as bad as I think maybe I thought it would be. But I also think if we'd done this in season one of film franchise mm. Fortnite, would have hated these. I reckon, I reckon these would have been so hard to, to get through when I was mm. a bit younger. Whereas I think in the last few years, my tastes have become a little bit more open to, well, you're turning into your dad. I'm turning into my dad. Every, every boy's dream to turn into his dad. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I thought I just thought like some of these were so good and some of them have moments that are so good that it's like, ah fuck, I get it. I get it. I never thought I would get it. After I especially mm. after I actually tried Star Trek a few years back, yeah. I never thought I'd get it. But there's just the 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 crunchy relationship between Kirk and Spock, so good. The like the philosophy of Star Trek, so deep and meaningful, like genuinely. Um mm. And it's just there's such a hopeful spirit to the series and and sort of like I don't know it's very it's very optimistic storytelling which is nice. Yeah. What did you think of like the the whole cast of characters? Because it's this interesting thing where it's like Kirk and Spock, top fifty characters of all time. Yeah. In yeah. anything. Yeah. No one else really stood out to me in any way. I I think McCoy got there, Bones got there by like the latter half of of it. I was like, okay, yeah, I can, because I can he, see quite often is... he's yeah just the th- he's essentially the third main character. Yeah, yeah. Whereas someone like Scotty or Chekhov, I was like, this is the Scottish guy and the Russian guy. Like they're not really very well developed characters. I was surprised at how. Um, well, Sulu, Sulu's got his own ship at the end of. Yeah, um, but th- that's the biggest thing that happens to Sulu in the whole series of films. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm surprised at how underfeatured. I reckon Sulu Ohura is that a name? Ohura? How do you spell yeah. it? Yeah, Sulu Ohura and um, uh, yeah, maybe maybe just those two were surprised. Had surprisingly little to do in mm. any of these films. Yeah, you know the um, the. Oh my. Hmm. Do you know where that comes from? That Wait, his, a, f- a family his... guy joke. <laughs> no, it, it, it's a um uh it's from Howard Stern, like when he was on the Howard Stern mm. podcast. Right. And they they did something outrageous and he said, Oh my. And they like turned it into like one of their soundboard clips, and that's why it's such a big deal. And now it's like what he's most known for. <laughs> <saying> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his catchphrase. It's, it's his <laughs> I pity the fool. You know? It's not from Star Trek. It yeah. It should be. <laughs> so, mm. now we've got a few Siggies mm. to do. This is not based on any literature, so uh, our our, inter- our unpaid intern researcher, Rachel, is off the hook mm-hmm. for this week. But we do have to continue the franchise, and obviously the most immediate continuation is that there are all the Star Trek series. We talked about the... This cast specifically, all of them have at some point reprised their role right. in later. Um, a lot of them, there's a couple of Next Generation episodes that are, um, one takes place concurrently with The Undiscovered Country. 
and right. well, it has like it's called flashback hmm. and it has flashbacks and solos and stuff but the yeah most notably that uh captain kirk and i think maybe a couple of other characters appear in star trek generations which was yeah it was pitched to be at some point part of this and like at one point it was going to be you know the a backdoor pilot for the next generation but mm-hmm. the whole idea of kirk and picard meeting does come to fruition so we have that to look forward to nice i'm so excited for captain kirk to meet this character that i have very little connection yeah to. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah what is what's your continuation of the franchise it's one of these weird ones where it's like are you is your continue the franchise is it continuing the like uh, do we have to come up with three separate sequels to star trek in general to do this on every episode i get yeah yeah i think so okay here here is i this is maybe the least uh sticking to the rules of continue the franchise i've ever done right wow. uh maybe not maybe it's not but i <laughs> i was watching the first film i was watching the motion picture and i was so impressed by the story i said before that the arc especially like decker's arc i thought Mm. was so interesting and so well told and so such a well told story and kirk is such a good foil it's way more of a kirk and decker movie than a kirk and spock movie and i started to think like how many people remember star trek the motion picture like when people talk about the star trek movies they're talking about wrath of khan and stuff Mm. and i was like could you get away with making an entirely different movie that has this exact character dynamic and arc in the center of it you know like it's a story about um a a professional dispute that leads to a personal dispute between two uh you know travelers or captains you know two people of authority um the the one who is replaced uh gets is really salty at the one who replaced him and when it, he advises him not to go into danger he does and the replaced guy's girlfriend gets killed as a result of it she comes back in this alien form and he mm. comes to transcend his wants to even be captain anymore um and while it's not exactly this i realized so you, like you're pitching a remake where you couldn't get the rights <laughs> yeah but what i realized is and it's not beat for beat but I think it's going to make you go, oh, yeah. Uh, the movie I kind of came up with without realizing it, trying to steal this, is The Prestige. Yeah. it's. I think that's why I liked it, is because I, I was reminded of Christopher Nolan's The Prestige. It's told with magicians, and there's no, you know, the ending doesn't really uh, isn't really the same thing as the ending to the motion picture. But it yeah. is about two rivals in the same field. One is responsible for the death of the other's, like, loved one, I, th- I think, yeah. is that? Yeah. Um, and mm. they each split off into different, different uh, uh, you know, fields. And that, in The Prestige, it winds up, like one is clearly the bad guy and one well not clearly the bad guy but but one loses whereas that's not the case for the motion picture mm. um but yeah so that was that's my continue the franchise journey as i wanted to copy this movie if i couldn't get the rights because i thought it was maybe like the storytelling was invisible enough that no one would notice and then came to realize oh someone has already done this with the prestige <laughs> yeah yeah 
Also, this is a segment where we each pitch a continuation of the franchise. Yeah. <laughs> we do this every episode. Uh, my continuation of the franchise, it's like, uh, I, I, I so desperately, because it's the only cast I'm attached to, I so desperately would want to see this with the original cast. And mm. I don't know how you'd do it, but the, I want to see... The huh? animated versions, get back, get the animated yeah, versions Animated back. versions, get Shatner back and um, get, something, get, get Zachary Quinto to do mm. Spock or um, that... Uh, Gregory Peck's grandson yeah but the I I want to see like a Star Trek slasher movie or like a horror movie Quentin Tarantino for a long time was like my 10th film will be an R-rated mm. Star Trek movie remember that his one was going to be that they travel back in time to become prohibition era gangsters though um <laughs> <laughs> he, that dude just says shit eh and it's just like yeah. oh yeah that probably won't happen yeah but hey uh but no like i was just so intrigued by the murder mystery aspect of the undiscovered country that i was like fuck yeah like if there's a slasher on the enterprise mm, that's cool and i mean and, i mean you know like it's bound um, to have ethnically, happened. yeah ethnically diverse uh crewmates of a spaceship mm, a get picked spaceship. off one by one yeah is like yeah they're a bloody dime a dozen so you're pitching what if, that. What if Dracula's on the ship? <laughs> you're pitching a dime a dozen sequel to Star Trek. Yeah. No, I, I just think that, like, I the way that the cast was working together to solve an issue, mm. I think, was the most enticing part of that for me. And I think that I just, I, I, I like slasher movies. That's like, I'm coming, I've always said I'm not a big horror guy, but I'm coming around to saying... I'm a slasher guy. That's so funny, man. Horrors are so much better than slashers, like by and large, I reckon. Like, you're, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna find more like greatest films ever made that are horrors. I think maybe Halloween is the only slasher I think I would say has got that kind yeah, of Halloween's respect. Right. <laughs> um, no, but like, well, I I always say when people like, oh, do you like horror movies? It's like I'm not like into horror movies because there are people that you know like every shitty horror movie that netflix releases they're like oh i have to watch it because it's Mm. the new horror Mm. but it's like i like really highbrow horror and i like a specific brand of lowbrow horror yeah right right um and 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 it's slashes that like i can quite easily get into a slasher where it's just creative kills and a fun twist at the end usually um Mm -hmm. that's what i'm into um or the elevated horror or whatever you want to call it when it's also a good film but anyway yeah my mine is the you're you're taking the it's actually a good film of star trek and adding in the lowbrow horror that i like (laughs) nice and now we're going to rank the franchise so over on letterbox.com slash cult popture you can find a list where we have ranked every single franchise we've covered on the podcast before this is the 181st franchise wow. on the list um i know that some people are playing at home and someone teased that have oh, we talked about this on pod for those on, not on the discord which you should get on the discord there's like a contingent of listeners who place bets on where we rank which is such an interesting responsibility to put on you and i to mm. like now there are stakes it's actually made ranking them a little bit more interesting well it's someone's gotten it exactly right twice in a row but the, 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 someone the said fuck, really 
Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that someone said, oh, like the the discussion's heating up for because we're not privy to this. That's not they don't put it on a this is like in a private chat they have that like, you know, a big contingent of a Discord has. It's not like so that we can't um you know. Yeah. Cause because the thing is, you and I don't care about the ranking enough to not just try to fuck over one of our <laughs> fans who's real who's real confident on where it would go. Mm. Um so, but yeah, we are putting, uh, we're adding Star Trek The Motion Picture because I think that these, this is a franchise where they are so segmented into their three generations that mm. it's quite, I, I'm, it's quite easy and I'm quite confident to put them as three separate entries. Mm-hmm. So Star Trek The Motion Picture is going in, uh, where else is it going to be? All right, let's, let's just be bold. Let's boldly mm. go for a second. What's the 10th place at the moment? Yeah, so, because I, I was thinking... It's going to be quite high. Yeah. And I'm very curious to see where our, our home players put this. The 10th franchise is currently Shaun of the Dead. Or the, the Cornetto trilogy. Uh, uh, I feel like that probably has created more for what I would consider, like, myself. <laughs> like, what you know, it, it means more yeah. to me than any of these. So I don't think it's getting into the top 10. What do you think? Below that is Child's Play. Yeah, maybe it's better than Child's Play. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah. I, I quite like Child's it. Play, but there's a prestige to Star Trek that Child's Play doesn't have. And mm. Child's Play, Child's Play, I reckon. Uh, I was going to say there's worse sequels. Fuck, this is a comparable franchise to Child's Play. Mm. Like, where it's like even where it's the like bad none ones. Of them are that bad, yeah. yeah, even the bad ones I'm like kind of intrigued by and kind of respect. What's below Child's Play? Harry Potter. <laughs> I reckon between Harry Potter and Child's Play. Okay. So number 12, is it? Yeah. Are there, like, is any of Child's Play as good as Star Trek? In a very different way, but maybe not. Maybe maybe it should go above Child's Play. Yeah, you, I, I, you like, Child's Play is very consistent, but I, I think the highs of Star Trek are higher. I agree. Let's do it. Okay, number 11, it's going in. Well, I hope that satisfies those listening. Um, and now- I, hope, I hope it fucks off the ones listening. <laughs> I hope I hope you guys are like no. I wish it stayed at twelve. <laughs> my my millions. Uh, all we've got to do now, Richard, is um, tell people where to find us. But we are doing something interesting that we probably can reveal now, which is because we're doing these in a weird order. Next week's going to be an off week episode, and because it would mean because we're doing three Star Treks over six weeks or well, five weeks. Uh, it would mean people would miss out on a franchise vote. So right now, people are voting for the next off week that we cover. Should we reveal what's won? Or is this a next? I think or... it's next, next off week. This this off week, I, I need to double check our planning document. Okay. But I I think this uh, next week, from when you're listening to this, will just be a regular off week that we'll come up with. Okay. And then we will release the next generation yeah and then will be the patreon voted off week but we will be recording it before the next generation okay well in that case then uh there is a vote going on on Patreon that you should go check out for if you pay only only a dollar you can get on there and you can give us um, there is a current winner but it's not winning by a lot and I think that's probably because 
ideas for podcast episodes are harder to come up with than just well, naming than just a franchise. franchise yeah. Um, but go, yeah, okay. So we're not going to call, we're not going to end the poll now. But this is just a reminder that it is over there. So go over and check mm. it out and um, vote for some stuff because it could very easily change by the time the vote closes. Uh, but other than Patreon, where you can join up for as little as a dollar a month and get exclusive podcasts and all sorts of things, you tell us what movies to watch. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Colt Popsha. You can also get in our Discord. Join the bet. Start betting your money of where I and Richard will place random franchises on a list that's beholden to no one. I guess except you guys now. Um, yeah, check it out. That'll be fun. Uh, and stay tuned for the post credit scene that's coming up after this music ends. Richard, live long and... Um, that's yeah. Live long and prosper. I'm doing the hand thing. Can you do the hand thing? Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, nice. It's not that hard to do. It's like, not some that people, hard to do. Some people really struggle. Some with people it, but... brag about how they can do it, and it's like, yeah, okay. Well, okay. I was just bragging about how I can do it. <laughs> I just took the wind out of my sails. Welcome along to the post-credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post-credit scene. Richard, who is it from and what is it? Today's one comes to us from Dan Connell who asks, what movies have you watched the most as an adult? As an adult? Um, I My answer would be It's Such a Beautiful Day, which is a film I have tattooed on my leg. Mm-hmm. And the whole reel. It's only an, every every yeah, the single thing. frame. Yeah, it's, but on top of each other, it's just a black square. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, um, it's an hour long, mm. and I have it just like saved to my Google Drive, so mm. I would just watch it from time to time. It's it's a very like existentially kind of depressing movie, but I I don't know that I find like a comfort in it, and, and I've watched it. I've just put it on because it's like an easy watch because I've seen it. It's it's my most logged film on Letterboxd, so that's like hmm. an easy way to tell. Because you know what what if you were ask if you were to go into my head, what film have I seen the most times in my life? It's like it would be some film I watched on repeat when I was a kid. Like, but the one where I can actually verify it in my adult life, yeah, it's um, that's such a beautiful day. I'm gonna verify it because, uh, I, oh my god the hell are you doing letterbox let me on the which also check it out it's a very uh yeah it's a very interesting animated film by the wonderful don hertzfeldt and also uh his series of short films world of tomorrow are so fucking good as well um i think yeah because if it's just what movie have you seen the most i could rattle off a few there i could say i've seen i reckon i was talking to someone the other day about how many times i've seen the movie signs they were like do you know signs Mm. and i was like do i know it you're like probably. I've actually probably seen it more than yeah you. I probably know it better than you do. Um, okay, <laughs> according to okay, this isn't very interesting because the top is three times. Um, I've I watched Dune three times when it came out. Um, mm. I've seen The Happening twice in the last couple of years. Once for the podcast, once because we were just watching it. All these answers are going to be podcast related because there's mm. like Princess Mononoke, Scoob um uh falling for christmas like all these movies that i watched twice, <laughs> um, for various reasons for the podcast um and i the only other answer i can think of is uh i kind of was i became like an ambassador for sorry to bother you when that came out so i saw That's that right. like three times i think right around when that came out 
yeah, but I don't rewatch films. I don't rewatch films I I like. Like I just it stopped being something I do. I think I don't mm. have time. And maybe there'll be a time in my life where I will now. Like, but it's like if I'm gonna watch a movie that's not for the podcast, mm. I want to watch a. Uh, broaden my horizons. I want to. Yeah, I want to watch something I haven't haven't seen before. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't, I don't I'm I'm generally the same, which is why I've got this like one hour film that I can mm. put on for those awkward amounts of time, mm. um, and stuff like that. But yeah, there, there are. I, I go through phases of being like, it, it it depends on what I'm in the mood for, because so often it's like I just want something on the TV while I do crosswords on my phone or something like that, and I'm yeah. much more likely to rewatch a film if. Unless I'm like, you know, I want to be broadening my horizons now. Knives Out, be- I've seen three times as well, actually. Oh, yeah, true. But because, especially because I watch films for work and for the podcast now that it's like, it's so rare for me to have an opportunity to just watch a film f- mm. for fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, I've, I haven't seen um, It's Such a Beautiful Day in like over a year since I've started doing this stuff for work, but it's like... Yeah, there's always another film I should be watching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like right now, I need to go watch Wild Wild West for the podcast. Mm. <sighs> All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>